back, everyone, to another episode of Fickner Podcast. I am Brandon T. McClure. With me today, tonight, actually, we're doing this weather late tonight. Uh, with me tonight is Sparks Witty. Yes, I'm here. I'm back. And Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello. It's good to be back, as always. We do not have a Ben Magnet this week. He is he is out of town. He's in Las Vegas. And we are back. Uh, we were off last week because uh, we've decided that probably a more... Uh, bi-weekly schedule for the show would do us good during the during these these during the hot labor summer as this episode is titled uh mm-hmm. but we are back to talk about many many things in regards to the strikes and uh, some comic news so why don't we get right into it first let me just ask how are you guys good to see you again good to see you good to see you sir yeah good to see you sir. loving 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 all the labor strikes love it yeah I, you've been on the picket line for weeks yeah you you just haven't left you just, just you're sleeping there. I'm sleeping there. Yeah. I wish I wish we could be that committed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, uh, Tim, I mean, we're very committed in the podcast. I like. Yeah, yeah. Grayson live in the chat. Hello, sir. Um, what a bump! Uh, it's not Sunday morning. Good to see you guys tonight. Good to see you too, Grayson. Um, I'm glad we won you in the divorce. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 that's a that's a deep cut for some people. Um, all right. Let's get into some links, though, because there are quite a few links in the description. Uh, we were gone last week, but the but last week was not uh, a, a small week for us. So first, let me get let me get through um, uh, my CBR stuff is there, of course. But a uh, article I put up from KaijuRamenMedia.com uh, is there where I talk about the what we've already talked about on the show. Kind of just me regurgitating a lot of that and just more news based thing about the Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong crossover. A comic book coming from DC Comics uh, later this year, um, and uh, uh, yeah, that was basically it. Just talking about that. If you want more of my kind of pure, pure thoughts on that, that that's linked below. Grayson wants to get in the chat. I don't know if that's a win, but I'll take it as a win for me. It is a win, sir. It I always liked you. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, speaking of Grayson and Ben Magnet, uh, two episodes of D and Dark are in the description below. Uh, they are in the middle of their uh, mid mid what's it called mid-season hiatus nope mid-season mid-season finale finale mm-hmm. all the words left me just Man. then um where it's a, it's a big big kind of mid-season finale that they're doing four parts and they've done two of them so far and they're in the description below both of them I, in my opinion are very good they're very fun um mm-hmm. you guys should check them out if you're not listening to the show at this point probably doesn't do you much good that they're there but if you are they're there they tried so hard and they got so far, but Grayson, in the end, it didn't even matter. And guess what? Yeah. Ben's not here to spoil anything, so you can go in fresh if you if you haven't caught up. Yeah, that's Rather true. Okay. Any of the cool stuff that happens in these last two episodes? Nope, that's true. Um, I was trying to think of a silly thing that I could spoil, but like, it's it's a comedy show. <laughs> like, it wouldn't really do much good. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of the the the, the personal links in the description. We do have some show stuff. Um um i'll start with conversation my latest episode of conversation my last episode the in dark that had its two-week run um thank you to the crew of the in dark once again for being on that show i greatly appreciated talking to you guys and that turned out really fun but the newest episode is up right now where i talk to travis bow from the real comic heroes podcast now this is a podcast that um real r-e-e-l much like the real score for our show um is a sh- is a show that's going through all of the comic book movies uh by release date so 
Um, they're in the they're in the early 2000s now, but they started in in the in the very early 20th century. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's a good show. Check it out. But yeah, I had a really good talk with uh, Travis. We talked a little bit about um, a little bit about gatekeeping and a little bit about um, what I think think was the most valuable topic was um, you know these this idea that you kind of these like binary um uh, uh uh sides in fandom where if you don't like such and such the same way then you're on the opposite side but that's but that doesn't allow for nuance and that's kind of like internet fandom and how that kind of perpetuates um people and their interest in fandom very interesting topic um i hope people enjoy listening to it i certainly enjoyed talking to him about it <clears throat> um and then basement arcade speaking of grayson once again Two episodes of Basement Arcade are in the description below. As we mentioned, many of our shows are on hiatus currently, uh, so you're going to be seeing more from our video game and comic book outlet uh, output. So, Basement Arcade, two parts for Shredder's Revenge. Uh, you guys, Ben and Grayson, did that one, yes? Yes, we sure did. That's a that's a full playthrough of that entire game, that incredibly long, arduous game that's like two and a half hours long. Uh, but it's a really, really great time. Uh, we were doing that in hype for for Mutant Mayhem, which is in theaters now. Please go support it; it's incredible. Um, I didn't say that. I'm not promoting movies. I'm sorry. God, no, God, no. Um, but all the, a lot of the villains in that movie are in the game, so it was like a nice like, oh, who are these guys? Um, so it was it's a lot of fun. That's very cool. Uh, I haven't I haven't watched all of it, but it looked like a lot of fun. It, it was is. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's a good game. And speaking of non-struck content that we can put out, uh, Ultimate Comics. Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates, Volume 1, colon, The Republic is Burning, by Jonathan Hickman and Asad Rivik, is our first of our new bi-weekly book club series. If you recall, we took the book club out of the main show and spun it off in, uh, into the book club feed, the Victor book club feed, and we will be continuing our rotation, our weekly rotation as a bi-weekly rotation on that show, and the first episode of which is up now that you can check out. Um, that was a lot of fun. Really loved that book. Yeah. I really enjoy having a, a little bit longer of a deep dive uh, on a comic. Yeah, uh, especially, nice. especially if it's a good one. You know, it, they probably won't all be you know super mm-hmm. hype, but uh, uh, not that that one's like hype. You know, what I mean, just longer yeah. and longer and better. They won't but... all they won't all be an hour and, and change. Yeah. But uh, that that was a fun one in particular because it's a lot of uh, not just talking about that comic, but talking about just the Ultimate Universe as a whole and what our relationship to it was yeah. and uh, Jonathan Hickman. So and that will continue in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah, the, the next, the next, the next book is is a Hickman book uh, picked by me. Yep. Um, so it's the same rotation that you're familiar with. It will just now be on its own Hickman book club feed. So make sure you're subscribed to that feed if you're listening to the audio. Um, you know, obviously, make sure you're subscribed to this uh, channel if you're if 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 you're if you're watching us on YouTube. Um, that's... Grayson, uh, Grayson, real quick, uh, thanking us for the invite on Shredder's Revenge. Grayson, it was a pleasure. Anytime, we'll game with you anytime. Grayson, let me send you an invite right now. You can come. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Wait, it's like, come to my private game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that's 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 all the links in the description. But of course, we are supporting 100% the uh, WGA and the SAG-AFTRA strikes. And those links are still in the description below if you want to find out. If you want to learn about the strikes, if you, if you want to learn about what they're fighting for, if you want to support and donate to these entertainment funds that are helping... Uh, struggling writers and actors during these strikes to uh, keep their keep their houses, put food on the table. Please do. Those are linked below in the description. Um, click on them. 
you know, share them, whatever. Uh, they are there. We are in full support, as I always said. And we will be talking more about the strike a little later tonight. But absolutely. With that said, who wants to go first of the week? And I will finish by saying, I don't have anything. So, Ryan. I will go first because I also have nothing to report because uh, I'm just doing the same shit I've been doing. Uh, Sparks, uh, do you have anything? I will share one thing because I did engage with a television show oh, that wait, is hold on. not. I gotta do the studio. <laughs> I gotta do the thing. I gotta put up the thing. Uh, yeah, there we go. Is it up? Yeah, there yeah. it is. <laughs> I don't think we it's. We'll have to reformat that. Yeah. <laughs> I um, this this one I struggle with this one so it's yeah, this we'll, is the we'll, second one we're workshopping we're workshopping yeah. um I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this this is not Strike Studio this is BBC uh, America so I betcha BBC really and like I, I can talk about it because of that um you down with BBC I I uh, finally ended the Capaldi run I've been putting it off for a long time so I finally ended Capaldi's run as the Doctor on Doctor Who very cool um, I closed that loop in these last two weeks it was a pleasure. I'm happy to have put uh, the final pin in that Moffat era. Um, <clears throat> Capaldi is such a talented doctor. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think it is such a shame that we kind of set up in this modern era a three series rule, I guess, like after Matt Smith um, did it. I think it just kind of became the standard expectation. Um, I know he wanted to leave because Moffat was done. But I know wish he'd stuck around. Um, I wish that there was a, a bit of a carryover into the new showrunner because I think uh, I, I don't think we got the best of what he could offer. Right. Some of that is because of like the stories that were granted to him, and some of it is just like his whole first season is kind of a wash. Um, if I'm being honest, like there's good episodes in there, but like he didn't know what he wanted the Doctor to be. I don't think anybody necessarily did. And when you come out that first episode of his second season, he comes out so strong, so confident with this new per personality to the Doctor. He really, really fills it out and makes it something special. Um, yeah. And uh, I just, you know, like, I don't think we're really ever going to see Capaldi as the Doctor again. I don't think we're going to hear him in any audio adventures before, uh, because he's an older gentleman, before he's not with us anymore. I just don't see him ever returning to the role, uh, unfortunately. And that's such a shame because there's so much, there's so much a twinkle in the eye kind of stuff going on with him that I wish we got to see really blossom. It's really such a shame that I get the same impression that you do, Sparks, that we'll, we'll probably never see or hear him again as the Doctor. Even as the 60th anniversary is approaching, there's currently no confirmation that any Doctor is returning for the 60th anniversary outside of Tenant. And I... I, I, I would love to see him come back. And he's talked about how he doesn't want to return. He's he's like done. He's good with the doctor. He's happy with what he did. And and I would like to see him return, especially in a crossover event. See him play off the other doctors would be a lot of fun. I, I get I, I get from his perspective, like the, the reason not to, because I feel like, you know, he what what I don't know if there's value there, to be honest with you, um, mm -hmm. because he got so much not given to him and had to make so much of what he was working with that i i don't know like is it a value to return to the character at this point if and, and how would he do it especially in the way that his doctor goes out which you can speak to a little bit brandon because like his doctor 
he he doesn't want to regenerate, but not in the same way Tennant didn't want to regenerate. Like I like being, but like in a, I, maybe I should just like go. Mm-hmm. Like I, I it's some the context that Brandon doesn't have is that um um before his final special where he regenerates. Um, minor spoilers for Doctor Who for slightly major for Doctor Who for for anyone who hasn't watched this part, but um you see the Master's final death. Um, so we know Missy is the end of the Master. Um, and the Doctor had kind of like in this final season come to a whole like full circle reconnection of their old friendship and like what that's meant to him and how important that would have been to him to carry on I love and it. how important it would have been to her, Missy who's playing the master at that point to yeah. have carried on and um in the last episode before her, the regeneration um a previous incarnation of the master kills Missy in a very final way so while there are unknown regenerations between that master and Missy Missy is the end of the road on this story and the place that leaves the doctor in of this kind of like tragic end uh, is really like sad. <laughs> and and I, and I think very poignant. And I, it's hard to imagine how you come back to a worthwhile story for that doctor um, with the way that they went out. And I, uh, I'm not hot on the middle of that last season for Capaldi, but I think the opening episodes and the last episodes are super super strong um with really great emotional character arcs for the doctor's companions but also the doctor and um i think moffat did something really interesting where not loving everything that he did with the doctor and really chasing a lot of those big concepts and not always nailing it i really and maybe you appreciate this too brandon because in his final regeneration special the doctor's kind of been boiled down to like what's the one thing you want to leave the universe with and he's like constantly repeating like just be kind mm-hmm. that's all yeah. it's it's his last plea to um the master and missy uh is is be kind mm-hmm. it's not hard yeah just do that for the universe just go through and be that and i yeah, kind of like that boiling down to like what's the one thing i can leave doctor who be kind the the uh the final episode that he has is the one where he teams up the first doctor played by yes. i forgot the guy's name d bradley baker that's not D. Bradley Baker. Um, that is You're right. that, oh, Bradley. It's Bradley something. It Filch from from Harry Potter. Um, he, uh, but he he kind of comes in and he's also the the whole point is that they're both at the same spot that neither of them want to regenerate because they're like, what if I just die? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like why would I want to regenerate? Like where would that happen? And he's got the and he and, he, and the whole time the first Doctor is being told that the that his future is he is the doctor of war. He is David a warrior. Bradley. David Bradley, thank you. Um, he is a warrior who has destroyed species and been the terror of the Daleks and uh, lost so many people. And like, that's what Bradley Baker, that's what the first doctor is seeing because that's a negative perception of what the doctor does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the the whole lesson is that the first doctor learns that like, oh, that's not, that's not, that's, that's not the case you're not a warrior you're you're a doctor uh the the whole idea yeah. of like the doctor um, of war changes its context through the yes through the show. Spe- specifically they do a really nice job i think of this um they tie in the story with the um world war one story of when they sang christmas carols across the trenches at each other and it's like connected to that and his idea of of being a doctor in time of war mm-hmm. and that's what the doctor of war means rather than like constantly perpetuating war upon others and yeah. i think it's 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 a really nice way to take 
this particular doctor out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were all going to say something a while back, but we kind of jumped on on through. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's very effective. I I, I truly wish that he could have stuck around, but I I really really find what they did for his second season, the beginning of his third, and the end of his time uh, really special. Um, yeah, I don't think it got praised enough. I think a lot of people had kind of that first season Capaldi. I think cooled a lot of people, and so I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. the majority, bailed uh at that point found their jump off point yeah. and uh it's unfortunate because i think there's a lot of really special doctor who stuff that did happen during capaldi's run even that first season has an episode that i like which is the orient express one where the the mummy is trying sure. to kill people i like sure. that episode what's yeah. the there's a there's a ghost episode in the second in the second season right underwater with the ghosts yes yes i remember yeah yeah uh, i like that episode too I'm not finished with his run yet. I'm still halfway through the second season, but I hope to finish it soon. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Well, that's it. Why don't we get into our, our bread and butter? Some sad news up top, um, because we have uh, in the past two weeks, a lot of a lot of people passed away. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of big names, smaller names, uh, too. Um, this is not uh, this is not a comprehensive list of all of them this is just kind of the the ones that i felt like we have something to say so let's start with paul rubens who is well honestly best known as peewee herman sure mm-hmm. um from tim burton's um film and the show that followed it right the show came after show came before oh, did it come before yeah uh i was always confused about the timeline there but obviously he was also um penguin's dad in both batman returns and gotham yep it was a stage show, um, I found out, because an actor oh. friend of mine uh, posted after his passing that he was auditioning for a show, um, a stage show, at the same time as Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, they were talking about just how their careers were going, and it was right around the time that um, he got the green light for Pee Wee Herman to move ahead from a stage show to a TV show. Love it. Uh, and... I didn't know that before that there either. had been like a stage production of it. Um, yeah. But uh, he was very excited about it at the time. Apparently it's, it's very cool. Um, but yeah. 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 So he passed away due to cancer at the age of 70, uh, two weeks ago. That's a shame. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I was never a big fan of the movie, but I did really like the show as a kid. Like I watched that pretty religiously. Sure. Sure. Um, that was a, that was a pretty, uh, that was a pretty influential show for me. That and blues clues. <laughs> Yeah. Um I I really loved the Pee Wee Herman movie. Um, mm-hmm. but uh something that I was really grateful to see a lot of Twitter circulate because I agree that it's one of my favorite Paul Rubens things is his performance as a vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah, the original um, movie. Yeah. Where he gets staked yeah. and like it lives in my brain, and I didn't realize how much it was in my brain. Yeah. Uh rent-free, where he's down there and he's just kicking the door frame as he's slowly and that's still, I think, the funniest vampire I've ever seen on screen. Hey, man, that first Buffy movie. I mean, it's still, it's still, a, you know, a Joss Whedon product, but that's a, that's a good movie. Um, I want to say real quickly, uh, Mint Blake, Mint Blake in the in the chat, say hello and then bye because bye. Ben is in here. Um, I'm you. <laughs> very funny. Yeah, I, you know what you come here for, and we're not it. That's fair. I don't blame you at all. Um, yeah, I. This is obviously sad news. Uh, Mark Margolis also um, 
I think probably our audience specifically would know his his best role from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been an actor in many things, including Scarface. Um, he had a, a short illness, but was an undisclosed illness. We don't know of what kind. And he passed away at the age of 83. I'm laughing at me now, not at this joke oh, when he yeah. passed away. Um, uh, yeah, I've only, I only know him from Breaking Bad, but that is, that is, I would say, uh, an iconic role. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's done lots of lovely things. Uh, but like, man, that that image of him ringing that bell uh, uh, at the end of Breaking Bad uh, in front of Gustavo Kring is like that is truly like I think about that all the time. That's like some that's some crazy shit. Um, great performer. Um, uh, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really I, like Ryan. Like, I really love his his scenes in Breaking Bad. That final scene is freaking iconic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. I did want to. Uh, I, I remembered it. I was double checking um, before we moved on. I, I did want to highlight what I think Ben would bring up if he were here about Paul Rubens, which is that he's also um, the original voice of the pilot for uh, Star Tours in Disneyland. Oh, right. That's right. right. <clears throat> You're that's right. right. I completely forgot. Um, Rex. He's in uh, yeah the cantina Rex. there, right? No, he's in the cantina. Yeah. Yeah. Living um, living life as he deserves. Yeah. William Friedkin, the oh. director of The Exorcist and The French Connection, among others, uh, oh, passed yes. away due to heart failure and pneumonia at the age of 87. Yeah, what a career. Uh, this dude um, is the funniest man alive because he will shit talk anybody and everybody at any time. Um, there's so many incredible interviews. Uh, he is a He's a filmmaker, filmmaker. He's a hardcore, like, dude, that dude made movies. I remember seeing his movie Bug um, in the mid-2000s and I was a teenager. And that movie is so intense. And that is just about two people locked in a room about, and it's all about paranoia. It's Michael Shannon. Um, it's incredible. And then, like, you know, The Exorcist. And, and there's a movie called Sorcerer, which is incredible. Um, but that dude uh, was just so real and so many, uh, commentaries, like so much stuff is coming out now. I'm just like, yo, this dude loved movies and he hated people who were dipshits. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we both like Nicholas Winding Refn, mm-hmm. but there's a great interview with him where he's like, you know, people, you know, people, people don't talk about drive and, and Nicholas is like, you know, they'll, they'll talk about drive in a couple of years, you know, cause it's a classic, like people don't know what a classic is until 30 years from now. Uh, a drive is a wet fart in terms of cinema. And I'm just like, man, you were really funny. You were you were bringing these these like kind of like uh, prestigious people a little down, and it's like it's just kind of funny. He's like this old school. It's like just make movies. Shut up. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a shame that uh, that he passed. But man, again, how old was he in his eighties? That's eighty seven. I mean, eighty seven. That's still a. That's a long it has time. a movie coming out. I think this year. Let's see. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Um, and he um, yeah, yeah, Exorcist Believer also is coming out this year, which is wild. Um, oh, we probably got a sweet check from that. <laughs> oh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I, I, I've only seen The Exorcist and French Connection of his. I went through his filmography, and those are the only two I've ever seen. I wasn't oh, crazy about I don't oh. like French Connection when I watched it. I watched it when I was like 10, so like maybe I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, any you'd old. I think you'd have a different yeah. opinion today. 100%. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exorcist still to this day scares the crap out of me. Um, yeah. So. I recently, because of the um, new trailer for the new one, homages, not to <laughs> not to promote uh, Struck Studio content or anything, but the new trailer uh, harkens back to the original trailer for The yeah. Exorcist. And um, uh, 
I was talking with Jeremy uh, recently and I showed him the original trailer because he'd never watched it. And I'm like, I mean, I understand how people like go into The Exorcist thinking it's going to be the scariest movie of all time because that trailer is probably one of the most frightening things I ever saw on a movie theater screen. Because yeah. that trailer, if you had, don't remember or haven't watched it, is disturbing as hell. That was definitely Friedkin's like wanting to push. Like, what is the initial idea I want everybody to have? There's a man who shows up to help. And also, I want them to go home and see the flashes of these black and white horrifying images until the end of the night. Like, I just want them to not be able to blink and not think about these things. The, um, the Exorcist, truly one of the most like unhinged, horrifying trailers I've ever seen. Absolutely. The Exorcist uh, is one of the greatest, not just horror movies, but one of the greatest movies of all time. And if he only made The Exorcist and then made nothing but shit the rest of his life, he would still be golden right. from just The Exorcist. But then he continued to make great movies the rest of his life. And I'm just like, man, you, you can only live to have that kind of that kind of legacy. That's right. it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Robertson, who is, who is the composer of the upcoming Killers of the Flower of Moon, also has worked with Scorsese on uh, Raging Bull and The Irishman, as well, mm. many Scorsese movies. Yeah. Um, he is also the lead guitarist and songwriter for for the for, for a band called The Band, which is a yes. Canadian rock band. He passed away due to prostate cancer at the age of eighty. Dude, prostate cancer, you know, cancer you. sucks, but I feel like we hear that one so often, man. Like Jesus. prostate cancer mm -hmm. will get you. Yeah, like uh, uh, it's sneaky. Uh, people who have seen uh, Kills of Flower Moon saying that like this is like the best score he's ever done, and it feels like a mag like 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 an, a culmination of everything he's ever done for like this specific type of score with like the, the what the movie's about. And, and you I'm hope like, you have that before you go out. Exactly. And I'm just like, yeah, man, it's yeah. like, he almost made it to see like, like that movie come out. Like it's out, you know, like, like for everyone to see. Um, uh, but yeah, long legacy, you know, because to be a film composer and to be also just like a dope, like musician in a band, it's just like, how cool can you be? Like I make movies and I make like music for regular people. Like, it's like, that's really cool. Like rest in peace. Yeah. I really like his music. Um, especially in Raging Bull. I like that movie quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, real quickly, I, I just remembered I should look up William Friedkin's next movie is called The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which is coming okay. out supposedly this year. Okay. So yeah, with Kiefer, with Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Clark. Nice. Okay. Um, Robbie Robertson. So now, finally, we'll talk about Johnny Hardwick, who was most famous role from as Dale from King of the Hill. Um, right. Voice actor um he had apparently he was obviously coming back for the upcoming reboot and he had not finished recording his lines but he passed away because he passed away at the age of 64 and as of the time of this recording no cause of death has been given yeah that's, a, that's awful um i uh it's like like some other actors i'm only familiar with him as dale i'm sure he's probably done other you know other work but like not dale. much i looked it's not much okay sure 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 uh uh dale is still like an iconic character like i i was obsessed like Mike Judge, from uh, the creator of King of the Hill and uh, uh, Idiocracy and and uh, Beavis and Butthead, like that era for me when I was a kid, I was like obsessed with that guy. I thought he was like I, like a genius for real. Um, so like I was I I'm not super excited because like I, I don't need everything to come back, but like the fact that everyone was coming back, like I love that cast so much. It is especially going up against Texas, having like a Southern show that does it that makes fun of Southern people, but is not mean to them in a way. Like I I just really appreciated that um so like that's a that's a shame like that, that that dale is such a silly ridiculous character um that's a bummer yeah yeah that's a real that's a real blow i know everyone's really feeling that one i don't think we're prepared for how much many of our uh like iconic voice actors we're going to be losing over like the next decade because they yeah. were much older than we thought they were based on their voices that's true like 
most of the Rugrats, <laughs> um, for example, are are much closer to the end uh, than you'd think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, this, yeah, I mean, well, we kind of had that thought, thought when Kevin Kevin Conroy passed away. Um, yeah. That uh, you know, we're coming up on this time where so many of these beloved voice actors were playing teenagers and they're like in their seventies uh now scooby-doo crew yeah right and they were well and like a good chunk of them were playing teenagers when they were like in their 40s and we just didn't know it because that's how good they yeah. were yeah and so oh, like we're not prepared for like oh it's gonna like happen uh, uh, uh ryan is absolutely right like uh fred jones has been voiced by frank welker since the first show and yeah. he's still doing it right that so, is yeah. that is voice like he, you could definitely tell that he's that he's he's old now, but like that dude still got. He, but it still works. He still, <laughs> still works, and he does like robot voices and like. Rah, rah, rah. I'm like really talented dude. His Megatron is like is iconic, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's Fred Jones and Scooby Doo, I believe. Um. Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Man, when he goes, that's gonna suck. Oh yeah. <laughs> how many no. actor? How many characters he played? That's Jim Cummings. He's yeah jim cummings oh jim cummings person. frank welker but that's a, frank... hey that's another one though uh jim cummings is an older person yeah yeah jim cummings is getting up there too um oh yeah frank welker um because i was thinking of jim cummings when i meant when i thought that frank welker it doesn't matter there was a movie i connected the wrong character to um anyway but yeah uh iconic character you know iconic, iconic voice actor all right yeah well, that's, all, that's all the that's all the uh passings away so let's move into the wga sag after a strike update that we do every show at this point i feel like we need to build a little intro for like strike update dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah yeah uh sparks if you want to make that get jeremy on the music i'll think on it uh all right but let's talk about the strike because south korea is going on strike they're not but they could Hell yeah, South Korea. Um, so South Korea, uh, South Korea has has been. How do I want to put this? How do I how do I want to say this the meanest way possible? Given the shit end of the stick. Given the shit end of the stick is probably the meaner the meaner way that exploited. Um, by Netflix for a very long time. Um, yeah. Their quote unquote animes come out of South Korea. Uh, with some of their biggest shows come out of South Korea. Um, and 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 movies uh, and, movies. and South Korea's not happy no uh, nor, nor should they be now this news is just about the south korea about the quote the korea korea's actors union uh yeah actors union which is the name of their basically their sag um sure. they, and they have been trying to meet with netflix for a while because they're kind of tired of being exploited as they should be um someone said that their base rate is 300 dollars an episode can you imagine Squid Game giving only three hundred dollars an episode. Well, we know that Horrible. dude. That dude got screwed over a little bit. That's a great example because that dude one hundred percent got screwed over. Yeah. Um, and he's making a second season, so hopefully he'll will bounce out still. Hopefully, but he'll also have to fight his own fight for that kind of stuff because this is just the actors right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and he and he won't. The guy who created Squid Game won't get any residuals from that. Uh, Squid Game reality TV show that Netflix is making. Yep. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Ridiculous. Not probably. Like he signed over the IP. It's not happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 No, he won't get anything. It's oh. garbage. Really sucks. Also, but in, that's that reality show. Yeah. Seriously. Um. So anyway, 
Um, so the South Korea's actress, so the, the South Korea's actors union has been trying to get a hold of Netflix. Netflix is not talking. They're not going to the table. They're not responding. No, it's going to voicemail. Not, it's going to voicemail. They're not answering the calls. They're ghosting them. And Jesus. the South Korean and the, the the union, the president of the union, is is rightfully pissed off and is threatening a strike. Good. Yeah, they if, should. If you look at Netflix, um, they they produce so much stuff. And a lot of it does come from South Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of it is really good. I like, especially a couple years ago during the pandemic, I binged a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, was a lot that, of my favorite was that South Korea zombie? Feudal zombie Yeah, show? that's a great one. There's that one. Yeah. There's the Silent Sea, which is like kingdom, about the moon. The there's the kingdom, which is about zombies in the medieval times. Dude, so many great shows. We and, did that space like, that space movie. Yeah, from yeah South that's, Korea. The, that's the, the, the mm, yes. I, th there's a lot of good ones that I wish yeah. I remembered all the names. Um, but the point is exactly that they're producing so much shit for Netflix, and a lot of them are hitting the number one spot, number one spot, number one spot. And if they're getting literally no money for it, then hell yeah, please strike. Please strike. Let Netflix like dry up. Let them dry up. <laughs> they will too. That's the thing is like um, Netflix will like it. Let's you know the way that this will probably end because I do believe the actors and the writers are going to win their strikes here mm -hmm. is that Netflix will be forced to pay back residuals. And if they have to do that on all the American productions and the South Korean productions, Netflix is pretty much sunk. I don't see how they financially. Aren't they recover. already in debt too? Yes. So like they're perpetually in debt. Yeah, I, right, they, right. I don't see how they become a profitable organization anymore. Like, Netflix has the most to lose, frankly, in the strikes, because this is all about, like, <clears throat> a lot of what the strikes are about. Not all of what it's about, but a lot of what it's about is the exploitation of the streaming service model and what it could do. Mm -hmm. And Netflix is the one that they have nothing else. And if it yeah. dies, it dies. Netflix should have stayed a library, not a content creator. Well, that's um, like that's not entirely fair because like there's a lot of incredible stuff that's gotten made that wouldn't have gotten made without like that's fair you know like but there were yeah. but there were better ways to have done it to have avoided going this route um there's and... there's like a new show every i feel like every single day at this point it's just they mm -hmm. are producing beyond what any studio should be capable of and that's why a lot of their stuff does turn out to be shit and when you do get something really good nobody sees it because there's a million choices mm -hmm. i think they should have just like it's it's a problem of, of exponential growth that we always talk about, but like Netflix had a really good, really good thing. Like, like again, I talk about like I just had a conversation on I think on Twitter or somewhere like or it's giving it to you about Stranger Things, that whole era, and House of Cards, and there was a lot of incredible original stuff happening on Netflix. But then over time, they just got way too greedy and like, oh, we need to do a new one every single well, week. Well, to be to be honest, and to put your to put the point back on South Korea, like it's unfortunate that the reason why this happened is because they could exploit is because that they could lowball. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm glad I get to watch South Korean content. I wouldn't have gotten to Absolutely. otherwise. Like, I'm really glad that there was something that did that. And I do fear the vacuum for international that, that could exist uh, when things like Netflix go away. Um, because I do think that's valuable that there needs to be a space for more connectivity on that because watching South Korean material has been really engaging and also helps get rid of xenophobia. So like, it's, it's nice to have those things. Um, it's just unfortunate that the motivating factor was, well, because we can pay them less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really is like, you know, in these past two weeks, Dropout um, and Sam Reich have, haven't, you know, said that they can go back into production. And the whole reason is because, like, they've had their long talks with, with SAG after and they've talked about it, doing exactly what they want and what they need to do for keeping themselves going forward. But they're in full support of everything they're doing. Um, and they've long been regarded as a place that, like, properly compensates the artists for what they create. Mm -hmm. 
And if Netflix had been a place that had been like that, they could have they could have come out way the other end of this fight. Yeah. But that would have been like a decision made decades ago. Yeah. Netflix came out at a time Netflix came out came out with the uh we're the creator first studio. You can come here and make whatever you want and we'll give you the money and we'll wait and we'll let the that we'll give you time to let the audience let the audience find you. But as more and more people chase that streaming model and I'll say it I'll say it meanly that streaming um uh what's the word con um that they were this idea of infinite growth forever which is impossible which we keep talking about and then it became when all the other jobs all the network jobs started drying up because of that you know netflix was kind of like okay well i get my pay i get my paycheck from ncis for for decades from now on but i can go over here and make something really cool with netflix for like eight episodes and i'm done for a year um mm-hmm. but now you don't even get that because most things die on the vine they don't pay residuals and they barely pay you any anything anymore uh because they're releasing so many so many so much so much stuff that nobody can find any of it anymore as ryan said there's just so much stuff that you just can't get to it in time before well, it's already canceled. Well, and part of the problem with like that con model, right, is like uh, even with some of the South Korean projects, but just like the American based ones in general, is that it becomes that exact thing that you're saying, which is like, go go seek people out and be like, yeah, we'll make your thing. We'll make your thing for a pretty reasonable amount of money that we will put into making the project, which means you get paid less on the front end and the back end. But we're helping to fund it. And it's because what they do is they roll the dice on every single one of those projects. And the ones that hit, guess what? They own all the IP for it. Yeah. So they benefit in the long run, and they're like, we can take six losses if it means we get one Stranger Things. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's just awful. But now you have no Stranger Things. Yeah. I have none. And soon you won't have any South Korean content. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I hope that, you know what? Good for them. Glad glad yeah. they're also taking the opportunity to fight for what they are owed. I, yeah. as Spark can see, I have like all the various streaming services, but I don't know because I don't use all of them enough to know how much foreign content is showing up on on Apple or on Hulu and so that so like well so like and it depends where you live yes yeah. part okay. of the thing oh, like, yeah. because VPNs everywhere everywhere media. outside of the United States yeah. Hulu has uh, baked into it like the one star which is like an international so there's a ton of like Indian programming yeah, yeah, and yeah. all these other kind of stuff that's tied in so it's all about where you're regionally based for what mm. those but like they they get the kickback of it and and get to promote and put out a whole lot of that so like hulu internationally and hulu here are not the same thing that's fair yeah because because netflix I, I, so real quick i think netflix does have again i have not vastly checked all the libraries but like netflix does have the biggest selection of foreign movies 100 uh, uh, so like, so yeah. like netflix is still incredibly valuable for that reason alone but like i it's if i don't need netflix if i can go to these other streaming services to watch rrr to watch like the new cool like indian show that's out or whatever like i'll watch it there but like netflix has the has the the monopoly on all of that it seems like um so max would be the runner-up because they have criterion uh, and through okay. criterion oh, okay. they have a lot of classic uh foreign films that's yeah, great. But, that's great. But what we're looking at is like the the international market of like a lot of the television shows right. currently made modern films, which I would actually say is probably like between the Disney Plus Hulu thing because like you go to your Disney Plus now, there are international releases that are sure. appearing on there. There are some that they've been able to uh, purchase and put out and and all that kind of stuff. But I do think long term the best thing is if the streaming service model were to continue, probably the best thing to be on streaming services is international things, but where they are still operated and given to us via the studios that create them. Like I would pay good money for, I would, I would pay like a good, like six to $9 a month 
for the South Korean streaming service. Yeah. That gives me all of that wonderful, wonderful content. And I know that money goes directly to them, not built into the big Hollywood machine, but they're actually a factor in the entertainment field, which, oh boy, does Hollywood not want. Yeah. Right. Um, Grayson has a great idea here. Uh, New plan. South Korea leaves Netflix and joins FNP and provides content here that but advertises FNP as the premiere. Joins us. Podcast. Yes, joins us. South Korea, <laughs> we don't have the money for that. Um, <laughs> we would have to learn Korean really quick. Yo, I, I, I would. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'd love to own the next Parasite. Are you kidding me? Yeah, sure. Par- Parasite 2. Parasitering. More um another 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 potential strike that could be happening which is very exciting very exciting for me uh is that the is that the vfx workers um specifically on set vfx workers um so people who like help with the vfx uh stuff on set specifically with marvel studios have voted to unionize uh about 50 people i think the actual count is like 54 uh so around 50 people have voted to unionize uh should this work they will be part of IATSE, which is the Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, which basically is the umbrella union for all of the quote-unquote below-the-line workers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of other unions within IATSE that control different aspects of the quote-unquote below-the-line workers, and VFX would just be another branch of IATSE. Now, this yeah, is not... Real quick, this does not mean that immediately the VFX... All the VFX houses, Rhythm and Hughes... The Mahes is gone. Um, ILM and all and all those things will um, ju- will become a union right away. But this is a big first step because this is Marvel Studios, who have mm-hmm. been constantly quote unquote bullied, who have been bullying uh, the 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 visual effects houses uh, for years now. Um, so this is huge. Yeah, massive, um, huge, huge deal. And and uh, you're exactly right. Like the, the visual effects that all like they will have to independently vote to unionize because they're all like their own separate branches and, and have to do it. But it's a very motivating factor if they can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hope they do because all visual effects artists and all animators should be unionized. Um, this industry just doesn't treat you the way you should be unless you are in a union. Keep, frankly. The, keep the ball rolling. Keep the strikes rolling. Country you, Let's be yeah. honest. You reminded me uh, or earlier today uh, that we talked a little bit about um, the Warner Brothers uh, animation di- division voting to unionize also, and they have not yet joined tag uh, because I think how it is, is you have to, the company has to recognize the union. Is that how it goes next? They do. And so like, there's um the thing is that like, they're not legally allowed to say no. Um, right. The thing is that there are delaying tactics and the delay tactics can kind of, wean out uh over a very long period of time filibuster and drive yes very much filibustering this happens in the video game industry too this has been a big problem when activision was trying to uni- union have unionization inside of it uh last year and uh they they essentially can drag it out and drag it to the table constantly um to like it's a union busting tactic to make it almost impossible for them to get it ratified without legally saying no because they can't um, and that seems to be the tactic, especially right now, that both um, notably Walt Disney's, you know, is doing as well with the Disney animation uh, has also made the same vote. And the vote should has been huge. Um, and so, like, uh, at a, I believe at a certain point, like part of the way it works is like once a once they hit a certain number and I think the number scales according to like what the branch is or anything like that, 
um, then it gets to it gets to go up to like a department head where it says mm -hmm. like this has become a regular problem where they're not acknowledging it and then like again conversations start happening at a table but there are delay tactics within it so it's a, it's a hard fight but that doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile fight they want to they want to convince you that the fight is too difficult so you give up yeah but that doesn't mean you can't win it right and that's what we're seeing with these current WGA and SAG after strikes. Um, so as Sparks said, that's what the that's basically what these VFX workers will face uh, coming going forward uh, in the yeah. next couple of months. This this won't happen immediately, but no. by God, it is about time. I have um, been we have all been saying that the VFX workers need that protection of unionization because they do not work they do not get overtime pay. They are work they're working eighteen hours a day uh to to get the to get these shots done and the entire industry has become so reliant on visual effects that there's no reason why these visual effects houses should be going out of business because they cannot get their money rhythm and hughes which i mentioned which i mentioned up top rhythm and hughes who did the vfx for the life of pi life of pi won an oscar for its visual effects rhythm and hughes went out of business the week before yeah, yeah. that is not right yeah, um, it's very much a uh, just the industry in general has not like while their uh, increasing reliance on visual effects has scaled up dramatically, the um, the amount of recognition has not. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has been a big problem. And so it, it is a, a something they're going to have to fight for. These studios aren't going to come to the table and start the process of talking them with them while they're still in the midst of these strikes. It's just not going to happen. So um, they're in it for a long fight um, because they essentially have to. Uh, keep up their morale and say like, yes, we are in this. We want this just like what they have, what they're able to do with the WGA strike and the SAG after strikes. Like we want that power. We want the power to um, be activism for ourselves. And they're not going to get to have that conversation and get to the table with it very likely until these strikes are done. So they have mm -hmm. to keep that morale up. They have to keep confident about it. They have to keep banging the drum the whole time through. So it's, it's really tough for them, but I hope they make it all of them. All of them, one hundred percent agree. Um, once again, <clears throat> uh, links in the description where you can support these strikes. By the way, uh, IGN put out a great article uh, talking about the talking to these the, these workers, these VFX workers who um, who are who have voted to unionize. Great article about what they're facing, about what the challenges they're facing, what they're trying to change. Incredible. Uh, read it. Read it. It's linked below. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that the warner brothers and cartoon network studios um adult swim stuff that they have a petition for you to sign i know the walt disney animation has a petition for you to sign uh maybe after this recording at some point brandon and i will find those and put those links down below as well um uh because they have petitions out there and they need more people signing those and uh i don't think i saw that the visual effects workers have one but if they do by god we do need to go sign it yes um as as, as you guys said the 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 movie industry the film industry does not treat you right unless you're part of a union um that is just the blatant facts of it that's what i see people online all the time why are these unions important the union is a hundred year old thing when people are working in sweatshops the the film industry will uh will, will abuse you and chew you up and spit you out uh without the protection of a union <clears throat> these unions are very important around the country for every yeah. business for every industry um and right now the fight here uh, is just as important as anywhere else. Yes, let's be honest. Like all the unions in the entire country across the board are very important and very good, except police unions. Those are the only ones. Um, we don't support police unions, but outside of that, all the unions are good. A unionization is always a good thing unless it's a cop union. 
There you go. My bad. I keep forgetting. That's a union. Yeah, unfortunately. I didn't know that until today. Uh, pretty pretty much every time a uh, cop uh, gets out of uh, having killed someone yeah. while on the job, it's because they have police union stuff going on that's protecting them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, a couple of earnings calls happened this week. Ooh. Disney and Paramount specifically. I think Paramount was... Paramount said something interesting. The CEO of Paramount was like, um, we just have free cash flow for the rest of 2023, which I don't understand what that means i'll be honest that that's a business that's a business term that's above me um but zaslov said something really stupid oh what's new um he says um da, 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 warner brother warner brothers discovery on their on their um uh, earnings call uh bragged about saving more than a hundred million dollars during the strikes Oh sure, yeah. Because because he doesn't have to pay the writers or the actors, he's saving money. Listen, he's got to flip it any way he can. It's a bold. It's a bold, uh, bold. tactic, Cotton. Let's see how it works out yeah. for him. <laughs> because and then afterwards he goes, but we're committed to making a deal. Like, so you they, you're negging they, us. Yeah, Iger Iger said much the same. I know it's in here, but like at another point, Iger said much the same thing for that particular part of like I'm committed to finding a way. And it's like if you were committed to finding a way, the way would be found, my guy. Like mm -hmm. it's not unclear how to solve this problem, past, and it hasn't been the whole time. Yeah, we're over day 100 now of the writer strike. Uh, actors is more recent, but like, are you really? <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is like there's all these rumors that like the the big streaming services of Amazon Prime, Netflix, and there's a third one I forgot. Um, are the ones that are Apple TV Plus? Um, are the ones that are holding out the negotiations? They're the ones saying, "No, don't go back to the table." And the big studios. There's a narrative out there about this. And if that were true, then the studios would just say, "F those guys. Um, we'll make our own deal." Because it yeah, is entirely but... possible to break off from the AMPTP. You can't pretend. You can't pretend like these two at the head of these companies are not the billionaires that they are they have the power if they want to they can go make the deal without the rest of the amptp they are choosing not to oh my god yes. speaking of the amptp i have to bring this up because you will eventually listen to it but you will never listen to it on a more no, i sent it to him oh you sent it to him I okay you're about to bring up. yeah I, I listened to it um in the sherman oaks gallery <laughs> in los angeles california this is this is the the remap radio episode i sent you with adam Connor. oh yes uh, yes you can uh you can visit the amptp they are themselves so they have, they have a little office you can get P.F. Chang's, the can't see a movie. Adam, you, can you visit? You can at the AMPT in their lawyer's office. Adam Conover explained exactly <laughs> how like goofy where the AMPTP is, yeah. uh, is, and exactly what it's like going to visit that office. That is insane. But, yes. Yeah. Well, you have to remember that they they're are just lawyers. They, they, they're just these lawyers, and their job is just to say no. As Adam Conover breaks down in the episode, he's like, all they do is say no, and they just say no until you've rattled it enough that they have to go to Daddy Iger or Daddy Zaslav or whoever and be like, they won't say, they won't accept it, they just won't, and then it becomes their problem. But they exist just for it never to be their problem. And then they'll yeah. move on to some like some like cake factory yeah. incident or something. They're in the like, yeah. they're they're in the Sherman Oaks Galleria. That's where evil sits. That's where evil sits. <laughs> Um, right. So last Friday, this was this was a Friday ago, not this one that just passed, the one before it. Um, we the WGA got word that the AMPTP was willing to go back to the negotiating table once again. And I am bringing this up because this context is very important because this yes. is really messed up. Um, they were like, 
come back to the negotiating table. Everyone's really excited. Here we go. The WGA committed the strike, like Ryan said, at the time going in on 100 days, um, now past 100 days. And the APTP said, we're going to do a media blackout and we're going to. But the kicker was there was no new deal. They said the DGA deal is going to be the one that's going to be the that's the one that everyone's going to get. The one that we made with the, the, the DGA. Yeah, that's the one and, size fits all we want to apply. Right. And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for the DGA. It's not enough for the writers because it doesn't also address other writers issues. Yes. So they had this. So so they so the, the AMPTP bottom line, what I'm trying to get at the AMPTP did this because they wanted to turn the the, the narrative that the WGA is being unreasonable in their demands. The AMPTP came back with something and the WGA said no, but no one would have found that out if the AMPTP had adhered to their media blackout that they promised. Uh, was the WGA fought back at? Strike continued. Right. This past Friday, the AMPTP apparently came back to the WGA with a legitimate offer. Um, I say that because the WGA is going to adhere to the media blackout that was agreed to, and they're going to look over the offer, discuss it, and come back to the table, which is positive news at this yeah. point. It's a first step. Yeah, it's a first step. Um, there will be time. Obviously, they got to look over the proposal. If it's not enough, they got to come back with another one. The strikes will continue throughout these times. Um, so we'll just, we'll, but a first step to maybe seeing the 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 end to the writer strike. I I imagine just because of how long they've held out at this point, the studios are going to try to piecemeal for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably in for a bit of a long haul. A lot of people inside the WGA have been saying the same um, without necessarily looking at the proposal, just like it, they're going to try and get like, give us as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain things that we know for a fact, they're like, we are not saying yes, unless we get these things. Right. Um, and so it, you know, it's probably going to be a bit, we're in for a fight. They're in for a fight. Yeah. We're There's here. We're here to support. <laughs> There was a lot of uh, talk about AI this this past two weeks, um, specifically that Disney and Warner Brothers have set up task force to find out how AI can cut costs. Um, mm-hmm. I think Warner Brothers Discovery hired a bunch of AI people, um, like a massive salary um, that everyone pointed out as like, hey, you could have paid your writers with that. It was, I no, I, it was specifically they hired this lady to be like their AI like coordinator and it was like a $900,000 salary. Yeah. And then like the next day she changed the title of it so it didn't seem so AI focused. <laughs> Jesus. Did she um, change it to the salary? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, so yeah, so there's, there's um, as we've mentioned before, some of the big things that these are, are AI protections um, or residuals. Residuals is a big fight for the for these, especially with these streaming services. We are coming to the end of the streaming era as we know it. Um, its future is going to look that drastically different from here on out. Um, this strike might hasten that, might slow it. Who knows? Um, uh, but like the the idea that it's going to stay this way, especially as what the streaming services move to, which are these fast channels like Freebie or Tubi, it was very likely that all these services will uh, go to that model. And obviously many of them, all of them, I think at this point have ad tiers. Look, you're getting revenue from these things. Now you got to pay your residuals. This is just TV. It's so funny that we are just circling back around the cable, but it's digital. 
It's really yeah, funny. That's what we always knew. It was gonna be which, what, like, it's just like it's funny to see how quickly and how popular, like, uh, like freebie, which is something I never really heard of until like Jury Duty, and I watched Jury Duty, which is a legitimately incredible show, and I'm like, now every, literally every service, free or 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 cost money, has great stuff on it. So I'm just like, I don't know how is anyone going to win these days? It's impossible, man. It's crazy. Freebie has a good show on it. Give me a break. I almost put this in the in the freebies, by the way, owned by Amazon. Um, oh, yeah, it's a it's it, it used to be called IMDb TV. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a much better name. <laughs> um, the what was I saying? Oh, shoot. It's gone. I don't know. Amazon? You almost put this in the news. Oh, I almost put this in the news that NASA is launching a streaming service that's free. Is it about space? Yeah, it's about space. Well, I hope so. if it's just like hey here's uh here's the iss right now look at the international space station i'm like i'll put that on for a minute hell yeah Yeah, it's free there's no ads it's called nasa plus that's cute and it's free i mean nasa has a youtube channel that's on 24 hours a day that is just like yo look at the earth how cool is the earth and i'm like (laughs) you're right man (laughs) you're so right (laughs) it's not flat it's definitely round um on the note of ai i do think it's funny that the report came out this week about um potential for chat uh, the, the chat GPT to go to bankrupt within a year. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. it's losing a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, man, I, this is just what we said. Like, all the AI stuff, like, AI can be these very sophisticated tools. They could even eventually absolutely get to the point where they could end up replacing people's jobs because they can get that sophisticated. Sure, down yeah. the line. But they're pretend, like, all this all this hustle and bustle because, like, MidJourney and, and chat GPT took off in such a big way this year that all these studio heads who don't know shit about fuck um are are looking at it and like oh it's the new hot thing it can absolutely do all this and it's like it's not it's a con it's just it's it's a technology con these are the same people that invest in the cryptocurrency and all that and like an nft is like these are they're 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 tech people who don't get art and uh uh it eventually bites them in the ass that's that's a really good point like it's it's the idea of I'll bring up Corridor Crew with their with their quote unquote anime show that they did, uh, movie short that they did, um, yeah. where they're they're democratizing art. Like art was never meant to be replaced by AI. That was everyone else's job. Um, art is the one thing that's intrinsically human that that we should be we should be protecting as a human endeavor. Something with soul and something with heart. Something that a computer could never yeah. have. And yeah. Sparks is absolutely correct. Like they fell for this grift um which is the word i was trying to look for a little later and the open ai thing going going um uh, bankrupt soon uh, came only days after an article that was like some some site was looking into how to how to make open ai journalists right like the, yeah, these all, are not they, the places that this is that this technology is supposed to be in all, all of all of these absolute morons inside the studio industry and also outside of it like in journalism things like that at the top who think oh we can like cut jobs this way they buy into the bullshit of the fear and it's not real these things can't functionally replace these jobs and like they're going to eat crow on the back end of it because they're going to have to pay through the nose and yeah. and do the things that the people ask for and now put into the contracts it's actually great that it came about this way in some ways because like ai wasn't far enough along it's true that it could actually do this it's actually yeah. too far behind so now what they have to do is they're gonna have to put in their stupid contracts we can't use ai 
Well, yeah. not in that way. We can use AI in limited amounts as a tool to yeah. benefit the artists that are creating something, but it cannot functionally replace artists. And they're going to have to do that because it doesn't exist. And th this is so interesting too, because we're at the this point mm -hmm. where AI is what streaming service, what streaming was for the 07, 08 um, writer strike, where mm -hmm. the Writers Guild said to the AMPTP, hey, you're going to start making streaming shows we need to make sure that there's protections for us in here. And they said, no, we're not. We're not going to make streaming shows. We promise. Now everything is streaming. Now they're getting screwed over. AI, right. the WGA was right like to say, like, just make sure that our job is protected from this, from this thing because you're stupid enough to replace us with it. Right. You're stupid enough to try anyway. Yeah. And it, wouldn't, it, it would never work. Like, it's not what people want. Like, functionally, on a grand scale, it's not what people want. Don't, don't believe, like, the hype that like other channels or Twitter users or whatever will put behind it. People don't really want that. They don't want it. It's, it's all fake. It's all just, it, listen, it's, it is like, there are those Wes Anderson AI videos. And like, those are fun. Those are fun. Those are, Hey, what if star Wars was yeah, like Wes cute. Anderson? And it's like everything symmetrical and colorful. And like, those are fun. That's a fun experiment. Would you ever pay to see it? I'm absolutely not. Right. Because that's the yeah. thing. Like, again, AI is not to a point where if you watch literally any of these fake trailers, there's never any motion. It's all just people standing still because AI can't actually replicate video stuff yet. At least not well. Again, that's what those quarter corridor uh, guys are trying to do. Uh, not super well. Cause I think that style looks really not good. I've watched both those episodes and like, I see what they're trying to do, but like make it like at least look good first, bros. I just Come don't on, like how please. arrogant they are about it. Like, oh, we're trying to change animation. We're trying to democratize art. It's like, stop. I'll tell you what, like, having, having watched both those videos, the second video, uh, I don't expect you guys to watch it, but that second video, they really go into why they think this is cool and, and every everything that's there that people are fighting against. And in the second video specifically, they hired an artist to make their own art style so they could so they could replicate it into the video form. So they're not stealing from people's art. They are creating their own art style. It, they they really tried their best to make it not as shitty as it is, but it's still kind of shitty. And there's nothing they I, can do. There's nothing they can I, do to fix what they're doing. I did watch the second video. Okay, which they, is what I, I think was... they're trying something. I agree. But what I what I meant by the arrogant line was from the second video because he has this yeah. moment like let me tell you why why that 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 thing happened and why and it basically the end of the thing is like yeah we know that it was controversial but we think it's really cool so we're gonna so we don't really care oh no yeah no I, and, yeah like, I agree. that's where I was like I don't care that you want to do these AI tools AI tools are very important to visual effects artists and yeah. they can they can really help and like you're you're doing something fun that can be cool about it I don't like how arrogant you are about it. Because that's where we're. I'm seeing with like the studios are like, well, AI can do this. Absolutely. AI can do this better. Idling your video. Did we just change animation again? That's where I'm like, y'all, give me a break. Do you yeah. really? There, there's a there is a big difference between the idea of AI functioning in the same way as like a jackhammer is better than using a pickaxe yes. to pull up the concrete on the street. Yes. Like AI tools can do that to help a person do the job more efficiently, better. And in a way where their creativity can blossom more through it, mm -hmm. because they're not going through menial steps yeah. anymore. But uh, that, it's entirely we but can make stickers. But that's entirely that's insane. Yeah, that's entirely <laughs> different than the functional replacement of people's jobs. Absolutely, and like it always will be. That will never change. Yeah. And yeah. and like I I just don't think that. I, I honestly just don't think people as a whole are as cynical and callous as uh, the studio heads are and that they're not going to want it. People appreciate art. 
I mean, you're absolutely correct because, like, look at what's look at like the biggest box office hits are non cynical Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's not that cynical, um, but like our non cynical blockbusters are billion dollar hits. The audience are clearly not as cynical as the, as as the as studios thought they were, or as even I thought they were, honestly. Um, and you look at like the visceral reaction to the flash like the jay garrick might be just might be an ai generated jay garrick and that at the end of that film um and and the visceral hatred that 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 got clearly audiences don't want to see that yeah and then it ends up being just like the special effects guy or something i'm like what are we doing what are we doing with the big flash movie <laughs> yeah right uh, um, Grayson, to your point, Grayson's asking, do you think AI could be used to assist like a pitching machine could be used? I don't know. I'm pretty against it, but I'm attempting to look at it another way. It's he said all, it already. It's, it's all about the idea of like, again, I, I do video editing and yeah. uh, it, it's what I do for my job. And at my job, we have uh, a couple of things that I use AI created tools in order to turn um, an extra three hours of work into 28 minutes of work. Mm -hmm. And then I spend the rest of those hours able to fine tune and work around and be more creative with the back end because the things that are like this, uh, a, a creating a certain piece of a song on a loop, I no longer have to go in necessarily on my own and loop the sections. I pick the pieces I like and an AI tool can now put them together and make it so it sounds seamless. Yeah. And like, it saves me 20 extra minutes a very, but yeah. that 20 extra minutes allows me to be more flexible with what i'm doing with the rest of it instead of and able to meet deadlines more easily so there's a use for it mm -hmm. there's a way to use it right but the idea is not a functional full replacement absolutely yeah right right and you were trying to say something do you remember no it's all just gonna just continue what he's saying just like uh ai ai is used in so much stuff and we don't think about it because it's not ever replacing something it's just making something easier to use yeah um and that's that's I love AI for that reason. And like, you know, StreamYard uses AI for, for audio compression and echo canceling and all this different stuff. So like we, we use it in everyday lives. Our phone has used so much AI. So like, it's just like to the point where like, stop replacing people. That's the problem that we yeah. keep running into. The, the tough part is that like, there's no way to, there's no clean way in the verbiage yet to differentiate between the AI that the studios are chasing that we don't want and the AI that is a functionally useful tool that we are totally okay with. Yeah. Um, AI is becoming a catch-all for like a good or a bad thing, depending on where you land on. The, it's more nuanced than that. There are AI tools that are useful. There are AI bullshit con tech gimmicks that are designed to be sold to people who have a lot of money saying this can functionally replace this what for you you know what really sucks though is companies like adobe who who do use great ai tools to help with photoshop and, and like video editing they also are implementing ai generation stuff so you can use all that stuff in their software and i'm like now they themselves are making it extremely hard to to separate it yes. um and that's mm -hmm. a weird again a weird future we'll have to fight it's a, the the re Sorry, real quick. The reality to answer your question, Grayson, is that one of the important things is that, frankly, we as a as a world, but more specifically as a nation, are not equipped to actually enact the laws upon AI that we need to because we're still behind on the internet and we haven't legally traversed uh, exactly how we need to create functional protections around that. And so we need to get the internet handled, but we also need now to get AI handled. And that's where it really comes into play is that people have to be willing to get ahead of the game. They're probably going to be 10 years too late. Not to say that we're screwed, but to say that a lot of 
bad and dumb shit is going to happen amongst companies until legal action is actually taken to say this is this is not okay it's too far it's the same as like what's happening with the streaming services and residuals is that it had to get to a point where it had to be put down on paper hey this shouldn't happen yeah um i don't remember if you put it in this news or anything but on a similar point like the people who are representatives of the wga have been meeting with the ftc to talk about the fact that mergers are bad um in light of like all the rumors going around about disney selling things off to apple there are people specifically talking about how their careers were affected by discovery buying warner brothers oh, yeah. and what that did and the ftc is now having to look at it and antitrust laws have to get stronger because of that so it's that same kind of like legal recourse has to happen to stop ai from getting out of control there's limits that have to be put in place you're, you're right it's not it's not in the news specifically there's been talk for a long time that was just i i say it was smoke but now i'm starting to see flames with where Iger is interested in selling disney to apple um and that's that was always like one of those things where it's like there's no way there's no way that would happen and now it's happening so frequently where i'm kind of like all right someone somewhere is saying something but to me that's not even the important point it's so important that the ftc was willing to bring in people who were involved in these mergers to get their reports and accounts to take into consideration we've been too lenient yeah um the uh a couple of things that you that you that you talked about there reminded me of that Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney are paying lobbyists to uh look after a specific AI um uh, legislation AI based legislation that could prevent them from from uh, a tax credit by replacing uh pe- people's jobs uh, yes. specifically I think it is yes um so like these companies are already trying to uh fi- find these ways to make sure that 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 they get what they want um as spark said these these mergers uh the ftc finally like looking at these mergers because some of these mergers should never have been able to happen um mm-hmm. what was the one the most recent disney and fox that should never have happened like that, was, uh, that actually, should never I, have happened i mean like depending who you talk to like the 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 microsoft activision one is probably the most questionable recent one where everyone was like that probably shouldn't have gone through but it ended up doing it anyway i remember where i heard that news it's because later we'll talk about penguin random house um not penguin well we'll talk about simon schuster but also penguin random house apparently penguin random house tried to merge with a with a third major publisher there's like five major major big publishers um there used to be six but then penguin and random house merged Right. Um, so that was five and there was about to be four but the ftc stuck uh, got in and said no you yes. do not penguin monopoly house i i do think i do think in a general sense i think the ftc is kind of recognizing that part of why our economy is so much in the struggling crapper is because there's too much monopolization and oligopolies that have gone on inside our nation and that's certainly happening in the entertainment industry and other places but it is encouraging that they are at least hearing accounts from people who have been affected by these mergers to hopefully prevent worse ones in the future mm-hmm. right um Let's move on a little bit. There's some there's some kind of miscellaneous stuff that we'll talk about in regards to these to these strikes. Um, and one and one that arguably isn't part of the strike, but I'm I'm making it part of the strike because it is related. Uh, Seth MacFarlane donated a million dollars to the Entertainment Community Fund. Um, yeah, obviously not asking our audience to do the same, but hey, please that that's down there in the description below if you want to support and donate. If you are um, if you are capable of giving anything without uh, impeding upon yourself in a severe way, then please give what you can. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like our Patreon. 
Um, yeah. But more uh, important, let's be honest. But more important, indeed. Um, he is not the only person. Many celebrities have done this, the exact same, including, this is not the full list, there's a lot more, um, but including Meryl Streep, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people like Matt Damon and Sasha Baron Cohen, and they've all, they've all supported uh, the fund by putting in a million dollars each. It's really heartwarming to some extent to see so many of these high-profile celebrities out there or actively talking about or doing these kinds of things and saying, like, we are fighting for the people who we know we either were yes, or the people who we encounter in our day-to-day who we know, like, they dream of being in our position. Yeah. We have the privilege to support them. Brian Cranston was, like, a working actor for, like, 20 years. Yeah. Like, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Amell was even down there. I was gonna bring that up, like look at him, and like, hey, respect. when you when you still think you're right, but you're just tired of being punished about it. Listen, I didn't read the full article because I didn't really care that much. But like, little quote was like, you know, some people talked to me and like they really showed me the points and blah blah blah. So I'm like, I I hope you're not doing that just to save face and like you actually believe it. Yeah, uh, Hank, he was there. He showed up. Good he showed job. up. That's something. It was a great know, picture. Mark, Mark Guggenheim set up a whole arrow meetup crew it's thing true. Uh, it was really that 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 was pretty much in direct response of it's... like kind of f that guy i wonder if he saw that and everybody was there and he's like oh. yeah <laughs> got a little about me that was a that was a pretty jack quaid his his for a hundred days he's been on the strike every day yeah. yeah what a guy what a guy uh son of meg ryan and dennis quaid which but you don't see either of them on the strike on the picket lines Nah, they're busy making westerns on Tyler Sheridan's ranch or something. Uh, uh, de- de- what's... Dennis Quaid is in uh, Stray Dogs. The, the, oh, that's the truck. Yeah, that's truck content. I'm sorry. No, I just I didn't know that though. That's cool. Yeah. Um. um yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's always funny. Like, oh my god, someone with a sniper rifle off screen. Like, no, don't talk about a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, hey, we're, not, we're trying not to. I mean, it looks like shit. Um, yeah, uh, the Stephen Amell thing in particular was very like. Uh, there were a few people who talked about like being on that show, like pe- not like one one off appearances, like people who were like the villains for whole seasons. They were like, yeah, kind of. Oh, that guy. Um, Kirk Osavato, uh He, I don't, I, I don't remember he played, but he was he was a really cool villain that I like, and he straight up was just like, yeah, f that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, right. oh wow, you straight up was like, you worked like for two seasons on that show with him. Okay. Um. There's a the the the. Cap- Capitan Love, the Reverse Flash. Um, I forgot. I forgot the actor's name again. Yes. Uh, he he yeah. like went off on Stephen Amell on on Twitter. It was very funny. He was like, "Look, I don't really know the man, but let me tell you what." Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw it. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, lovely. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. The memes that are going to come out of that picture, though, can't wait. Oh, he's like, mm-hmm, "Look, I'm here, baby." <laughs> uh, Sonic the Hedgehog going to start filming again yes uh, we kind of talked about this before well they were gonna they were they were they were filming before the the actor strike um yeah and now they're now they are just going to film the cgi inserts and the um what was the other one um oh yeah the yeah inserts you know like the they insert the insert shots and then the cgi heavy ones that don't require any people um, right which makes sense makes perfect sense <laughs> why wouldn't you you can see a bunch of fun pictures of a bunch of standees. But like, more importantly, is Knuckles okay? Is he all right? <laughs> the Knuckles what, show. Where are we on that show? That that show probably can't film because Knuckles would is the only CGI character that we know of. 
I'm sure Sonic and Tails are somewhere. Or, they might not be in every episode. I'm sure there's a bad guy pr- protagonist of some capacity. I sure. Think. I think. I I I know it's I know it's unlikely and is not announced, but I hope Jim Carrey comes back. Yeah, me I, too. I have faith that I have faith. I think he knows how special that role is. Yeah. Right. Well, let's talk about some Disney news for a minute. Uh, and this is this is this is coincidentally. Can you give us some more money? Mm. Um, because the strikes aren't hurting us, but more money, please. <laughs> Um, Disney Plus and Hulu will both raise their prices quite significantly. Um, this is the second time in, tw- in less than 12 months. The last time was in December when Disney Plus went up from $7.99 to $10.99. Damn. It will go to $13.99. Now, this is both their ad-free tiers. So their ad tiers will remain at $7.99 and their ad-free okay. tiers will go up. Okay. That's that's not as bad, but it, it has doubled its price in, in a year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's not so bad. Hulu's ad-free tier will go up to $17.99 a month. Oh, wow. Damn. That's all. Is any of... If, are, is HBO Max? Excuse me. Is Max $17.99? No, HBO Max. You're right. <laughs> which one? How much is that one? Do you, do you know? Um, it's. I'm pretty sure it's still been holding at 15 which is what... Damn. To be, to be fair... That's good, though. That's thing. what it was no, before yeah. the Discovery and Everything merger no, and yeah. all that, and before HBO Max was created, when it was just like the, the HBO thing you got on the side. Yes. It was always $15. No, HBO, that's, that is fine. I was simply saying, oh, Hulu's more than HBO now? No way, dude. <laughs> yeah. Not worth um, it. I will say, I will say, like, small insider baseball um our house is on the um bundle mm-hmm. hulu disney and espn together um without ads and from everything i could find so far no announced change for that that's good so if you're in the bundle okay. you're clear like no price uh increase on the bundle at this time okay um it seems to be for the individual services yeah what is so interesting about this $17.99 is it's frankly not worth it. Um, I think Hulu... Uh, so I just found out they took off a movie called Rosaline, which is a movie I really wanted to see with Caitlin Dever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, $18 for Hulu, and I get that it's ad-free Hulu. Still, like, I don't... That's, that's too much. That's, that's too much money at that point. There's the Hulu doesn't have the library for me to justify 1899. Even even with even with good movies, they have like prey, but like even I, even with good movies like you are competing with again HBO and Netflix and like being more than all of those I'm like man that's just crazy dude. Here's the thing, I if I'm being completely devil's advocate, do it. Um I don't think that it's an insane price for Hulu. Okay. Um and part of that comes from that I do I do think like when you consider that they have FX and everything oh, that's FX true. creates they have mm. the, the like the bear um it's always sunny has 16 uh, seasons. Uh, all of that Fox catalog all that kind of stuff that they are they are lumping in. I it's not an insane price plus Hulu originals etc. I I would say that if they weren't removing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the removing things that makes me kind of like this is a weird time to be asking for people to give you more money when you keep pulling stuff they want to watch if that had not happened i'd kind of go yeah fair like if if all of these things like if motherland fort salem were still there yeah right like i'd be like no yeah well yeah i get it um but it's the fact that like we no longer have the confidence that the things that we are willing to pay that extra money for will stick around long enough for us to watch it that is kind of where it's like I don't know. It's true. I don't know. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Like, you know, yeah, praise on there, and I love pray, but for how long? I, I like to I like to think, but like Disney took off a bunch of Disney Plus originals. You're asking recently, not that long ago, um, and you're asking me for more money. Like, part of me is like, how dare you? Yeah, I don't trust you. Why would I give you more money? Yeah, it is. It is. It is rough. And and to be honest, like, uh, I kind of hope it bites them in the butt. Like I think it should. Um, if if people feel like they've lost too much to want to justify this increased cost, no more power to you. You're probably right. I think you should. Like, you know, again, I as I said before, I'm currently unaffected. But like, uh, I I get it, and I I I fully support that decision. Um, Uh, they're also not. It's a it's a baffling move. It's a baffling move with the PR they've had this year. They're also going to uh, start looking into anti-password sharing practices uh, like Netflix recently did. So screw you. Um, The reason why I'm bringing this all this up is because this is clearly happening because they're not making they've lost subscribers. What was it? Uh, One point eight million subscribers from Max alone uh, between Max and Discovery uh, Plus were lost because of the strikes. Um, (laughs) Disney Plus Hulu. Same thing. Like people are people are unsubscribing or the the. The, they're not getting the money from the from the catalog they should be getting uh from like this is this is a bad time for the streaming services specifically and I you're do, asking for more money i do have to point out that a big chunk of that number that is still being reported is we we talked about a little earlier this year is that the disney plus hulu numbers internationally they lost um one of their partnerships with um one of the indian distributors and that was a big subscriber base so a a fair chunk not all but a fair chunk of the number comes from india unsubscribing it is just just for clarification that happened that big number we heard that in the first quarter this year uh and now like there is a larger number being talked about which are additional subscribers that have been lost since then but it is just i think important to acknowledge the context like that still happened earlier this year and was part of the context Mm -hmm. for the loss of this number of subscribers it's big but like yeah, right. that's there. I would like to find out. I would like to know what what excuse Zaslav will make for the 1.8 million subscribers he lost in Max and Discovery Plus. What license did you lose, sir? Um, yeah, but he made 100 million, <laughs> so you know it balances right. out. No, no effing way. Um, but yes, because because of these strikes, like you know, these people are going to try and ask for more money because they're not making back the money they were promised. Um, so, oh, sorry, you're excused. Uh, with you. well, on on that note. Uh, <laughs> why don't we move on uh, to some comic book news I would love to I would love to move on um, Hot Labor Summer continues uh, in full support of everybody who deserves to get exactly what they're owed because uh, certainly um, the executives have too much money true that indeed uh, make sure to check out the links in the description below for uh, where you can find those strikes and please read that IGN article very good uh, I support the VFX, VFX workers I support all unions striking I know. Let's do it. I know. Um, I love AI. Here's here's Contrarian Ryan. What up, baby? <laughs> oh my God, he's a scroll. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Brandon froze. Did he freeze on our end too? Or did we? Yeah. Or did we freeze on? Are we the end? frozen? Who's frozen in this frozen pie? Frozen too. Oh, I wonder what the next topic's going to be. It's comic book related, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Frozen 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, man. What do you think the news could be about? Hmm. 
Uh, let me check my handy dandy <laughs> little doc here. Man, I love comic books. I kind of, I kind of sure wish we I had someone. Love if, uh, tell me, tell me about these comic books. I kind of love if like he's doing it too. Yeah. And so we just have two separate yeah. streams we have to put together of like, well, I guess I'll just talk about the news. Oh nope, he's gone. Hey guys, welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast. Grayson says Brandon's frozen on his end, so. All right, gang, we're going to just uh, roll on in and we'll bring Brandon back in in a moment. Uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, colon, Black Manta. Wait a minute. That's the movie. That is the movie. That this movie is written should have been out. This is written by Joey Esposito uh, with art by Ray Anthony Height. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's going to follow Black Manta in events that lead into the upcoming film. Now, the same thing happened with Black Adam. Yep. They put out a comic story that uh took place before the movie i think we were all just kind of like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about it so we didn't really engage with it but how do you feel about this ryan them doing a comic that's about the story personally i think it's cool i don't really care uh but i do care about the creative team because ray anthony height incredibly awesome artist joey esposito is a dude that i really like and he is a he is not a big name guy. He used to be the editor at IGN Comics. He was the comics editor at IGN. And I listen to him weekly on the IGN Comics podcast. And that dude is really cool and really funny and really insightful. He's written a bunch of independent comics. He wrote he wrote an independent comic about uh, Bigfoot as a private detective. It's really fun and really cool. And he has been slowly working his way up into the big leagues. And he is and he's been writing some you know behind the scenes Batman stuff. And he's writing like a big Aquaman book. It's a tie in. That's incredible. I love seeing people thrive in comic books again i don't particularly care about a movie tie-in comic but i think this is really cool that this gets to exist i i think so too like the thing is like if you've got a good creative team and if they really have the free like a, a more free reign which from what i've heard like the black adam comic they really got to like kind of just shape those characters into mm -hmm. a story that they wanted to yeah, yeah. and I've, I've been curious to read it i'm actually kind of motivated to read this because you're hyping up that that creative team yeah and I've wanted this for the MCU. Like, yes, I want absolutely. comics that will tell stories about these characters between films because I'm like, there's frankly just not enough. Uh, and, and like, when you have comics, <laughs> barely, okay. they, they barely tried it. They, they tried to tell like, you know, 10 page stories that mostly recap the movies and then had like one or two pa panels or two pages yeah. of new content that, that isn't relevant. Yeah. I, these, from what I understand, at least like with the Black Adam one for sure, like it was a full story that didn't show you anything from the movie. It was just telling you a story about a character as they're heading into the events of the film. Mental. And I'm way into that. I think like when you have the comic medium right there and these films are popular, um, I, I want them to do more like this. I think this is cool. Um, so I, I hope it's good. I, I wish uh, Marvel would get on board with this. I would like to see this be something, frankly, that James Gunn was willing to do in the future because he said that he's like yeah. cool with like a lot of the cross-pollination uh, across all the mediums that they have. I love the idea of like, tell me a little bit more about these characters that you don't have time to do with the actors on screen. That's a great point, especially with James Gunn and how like he wants like them to be live action and animated and stuff. Like I can totally see having like a whole subsection of this is the movie universe yes. and you just get comics every so often. Right. And, and like, I so wish Marvel would do And that. like comics that you're committed to like, no, we're telling like, we're really telling some story stuff here. So if you want to get like a full scope on someone and especially like when you're not like, we have to tell an Aquaman adventure here. No, we're going to tell you about what Black Manta was up to between the movies. Like, okay, cool. I kind of do want to hear I, that. I, he is one of my favorite characters tell, from the movie. Tell so. me how he got from A to B. Yeah. I'm down. Absolutely. Um, all right. We'll, we'll get Brandon's thoughts on that later. Um, Stranger Things The Voyage is written by Michael Morisi. Hey, from Wasted Space. Friend of the show. Uh, with art by Todor. 
Ristov. Mm. Um, we'll follow the story of how the Russians got the Demogorgon to Russia. Man, I really like Michael Morisi. I could not care less about that uh, synopsis. I, I am sure this comic will be totally fine. Uh, uh, I do not need to know that story. I like that last season totally fine enough. Uh, that that part, that aspect of the show of, of the Russian stuff wasn't my total uh, favorite. Inspired by the last voyage of the Demeter. That's also in here. <laughs> okay. All right, Maurice. Oh, okay. All right, Maurice. Okay, hold on. If it's literally just like a Russian ship with a demigorgon on it, that's a fun one shot. Yeah. That's like that is a fun ring, but yeah, like we know Maurice's got the talent. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Sure. You might get me. You, you sold, might get you me. sold me with that last part. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, you had to read I'm all hearing the hot through. things about that movie that we, that we can't talk about. All right, man. Uh why don't you tell me about Spider-Man Rain 2? Oh written uh, and with art by Car Andrews. Car Andrews, yeah, yeah. Who created the first series. Have you read Spider-Man Rain? Uh, no. But do you know what, why it's famous? Yes. So, friends at home, if you haven't read Spider-Man Rain, it is a, it is like Elseworlds, kind of like one shot, one story. Uh, about Spider-Man dealing with some marital woes with Mary Jane and villains. But like, why it's famous is because Mary Jane dies from cancer that she got from Spider-Man's radioactive spider semen. Um, uh, because every time they had sex, a little bit of radioactive positivity went into her and it eventually killed her. And that's why that story is famous. I don't know if it's good anymore. I read it 15 years ago. Um, uh, so I'll, it's I'll infamous. Tell, I'll tell you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll tell you that like uh, when I was like, oh, I should go back and read some like Spider-Man comics I've never read before. I've heard the name Rain a lot. And I was talking to other people and they were like, don't read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but I hear about it a lot. It's like, yeah, but not, it's not for a good reason. Kari Andrews is a really, a really interesting talent. He has a very unique art style. Um, and I always appreciate when he's on a book, especially when he gets to write and draw a book. He did an Iron Fist book a couple of years ago. That was a 12 issue, like maxi series. That was really good. Um, so like, I, I, if they're going in the vein of, hey, let's do another ridiculous Spider-Man story. I am kind of interested. Like, what do you do like 15, 20 years later? Uh, but like. We'll My favorite thing about it, to be honest with you, has just been like seeing some Twitter accounts like light up, going like they're bringing back the cum story. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, and that. Oh no! Yeah, that's that's. Luckily, he's written in John a lot more, but like he could have been known as the guy who's like the Spider-Man cum story. Sure, sure. Hey, welcome back. We're talking about Spider-Man. Our captain, cum. our captain, my captain is. Back. Oh my god, that hey. was an ordeal. Hey, internet stuff happens, man. We're we're glad to have you back. Um, let's just real quick get your thoughts on, uh, we, we've talked about the first three in comics, so why don't you just run on down and give your thoughts on them? Uh, the only one I want to say is uh, Stranger Things, The Voyage sounds awesome. Yes. Yeah, once we, once we hit the, uh, uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter, we were like, oh, okay, Maurice, okay. Uh, my point real quick, just like on the Aquaman Lost Kingdom, because I think you kind of echo it, is like, I, I do, I do want to encourage the idea of, being willing to tell comic stories about not necessarily the main character, but a lot of the characters on the side angles of the films in comic form. Like I want room for that. Uh, I hope it's yeah. something that carries over into Gunn's lineage. Yeah. yeah. Um, Spider-Man two, by the way, uh, car, car, Kari Andrews. Kari Andrews. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was a girl. I didn't know that either. Is they, they, she yeah. is, they are. That's cool. That's, that was the that was the pronouns the Marvel the Marvel solicits they said. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, I like their. I like, are I like her are you excited for the return of the cum story, Brandon? <laughs> I've never read the cum story. Neither have I. I just want to know if you're excited about it. Um. All right. Uh, 
it's so interesting. Like the, the last, the last thing on that, like there's a lot of stories that you can return to. I'm just why, why are they really just like, yeah, let's do that one again. I'm like I guess, sure, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't Why don't you keep going, Sparks? You're doing. I'm sure you're doing really well. Sure. Um, so we got Sentry, which is written by Jason Liu and art by Luigi Zagaria. Uh, it's yeah. a four-issue miniseries that will see ordinary people manifest Sentry's powers and experience snippets of his memories. One of them will become the new Sentry. This is super cool. I am very, very... Because Sentry was killed in King and Black and not brought back since then, correct? I, I don't know. He was killed before back. King and Black. Um, he was killed before King and Black. I, uh, the King, King and Black was a second death. Oh, okay. Well, but but I mean, like he—that was the most recent kill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was most recent. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, 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 so he died again. Well, the, they happened so frequently because it was the Doctor Strange. It was the it was the the end of the death of Doctor Strange story and King of Black happened at the same time. Both of which featured the Sentry death. Okay. That's so. It. It's so they were. It's it was weird. Uh, I... By the way, Car- by the way, Kari Andrews. I just read Marvel had mislabeled them in the in in their in their press release, so it is actually he. They, they I was going to she... say, unless I, unless they transition, like I I know that dude's a, a dude, so like I didn't want to press against it. Uh, 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 what what is this this one we're talking about? So Sentry. Yes, uh, I love the Sentry. Ordinary people manifesting his powers, experience snippet of his memories, and one of them is going to be the new Sentry. Yeah. So Sentry is a is a Bendis guy. He was really really heavily used in the Bendis era. That's why I really like him. Uh, he's kind of controversial because like. His whole thing is like he is the most powerful superhero on the planet, but like every time he does something good, there's an evil dark void like that does something to counteract his goodness. And like uh, that's just it, the way it's written can be really silly, or really really good depending on who's writing it. If it's not Bendis, um, the Sentry's a really hard character to have around because like he is the he is like omnipotently powerful basically, like like not like Doctor Manhattan, but like he is ten times Superman, um, who also has a dark void inside of him. So like. What do you do with that character? He's almost impossible to really write a regular story. So to change what you're doing with the century, totally cool. Totally love it. Um, I really like the idea of these ordinary people who have lived in the Marvel universe, like all of a sudden, like for a moment, getting snippets of this very powerful person's powers. You're right. It reminds me and of then, uh, like Deku and All Might. Yes, yes, but yeah. like flashing with their memories as well, and like what do you what like? Obviously, there's going to be some some people who do some good with it. There's probably going to be some people who do some bad with it. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see That's how what... that shakes out. That was what. That's the that's the hook of this is that there are there are good and bad sides of of the century now. Um, I'm really interested in this. The I read the last century miniseries. I think it was Jeff Lemire. Um, Goodness, which I really, maybe. I really liked that. Um, and obviously we read um, I was believe Dark Avengers for a book club one once. Um, yeah. I really like that too. So yeah, I'm 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 really in, in, interested in this. I'm too. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a cool idea, and I appreciate that it's a four issue miniseries. So I feel like I can jump in, enjoy, it and be done. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll take over now, Sparks. Oh sure, why not? On uh, one of my favorite things, but go for it. Oh no, you're right. The next one, the next one should be you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Wreck and Roll, which is written by Stephanie Williams with art by Asia Simone. It's an original graphic novel that's based on the show yeah. uh, that will see Moon Girl and Devil go up against a rad skating band of thieves. Uh, y'all, uh, if you check out Animation Station, you've heard you? us, uh, Ryan and myself, talk about how great uh, at least the first half of that season is. Um, that show is incredible. Uh, I'm so thrilled that they're willing to do more comic stories in the 
excuse me, in the vein of that show. Absolutely. Um, with the art style, with all that, because I, I love it. I love it to death. And Stephanie Williams is a great uh, writer. Uh, and I haven't seen what the art style looks like, but I assume it, it looks, looks like, like the show. show. And beautiful. Love it. Couldn't be uh, I, I echo what you guys said. I, I got into the show after you guys did the animation stations, but it's great. And I'm really, I'm actually really interested and excited about this book because more of that. I really love the show. I can't say anything because it's struck company, but still, it's a great show. This yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, eventually, at some point in the future, you'll see an animation station talking about the rest of that season, hopefully with Brandon along with us as well, true, true. because we love that show. I wait. Do I have it? No, I don't. I was gonna get a. I was gonna get a a, a laser pointer and point <laughs> pointing at me like a like a sniper rifle. Oh, gotcha. Um. All right. I'll I'll take over now. Go for it. Because a new Thanos title is coming, a four issue miniseries written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Luca Pizzari. Um, you should see you should see the Phil Noto cover. Ah! Um, I, yeah. <laughs> Ryan's on it. You just said like it's Cantwell and Noto. Those are my peeps. Cantwell's incredible. Cantwell can't miss. It's true. This is ba- this is basically uh, Thanos versus the Illuminati. Uh, the Illuminati have recently reformed. They have stolen something from Thanos, and he is on a rampage to get it back. Um, this new Illuminati will feature Mister Fantastic, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Emma Frost, and Blue Marvel. I love. Oh, it. what the? Oh, so they're getting rid of Xavier. Oh, that's not that one. There it is. That's the Phil Noto one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Emma Frost, my girl, my girl. Well, her and Tony Stark are now booze, so it makes sense that they would they would team up. But uh, she's a good replacement for for Professor X on the Illuminati. That's so cool. Illuminati's back. Uh, Thanos is back. They stole from Thanos. That's spicy. That's too mm-hmm. spicy. I'm ready for that. I love it. This is an incredible. Team. Sounds like a great book club in our near future, is what it sounds like, my friends. Oh my god, it does indeed. You guys like Image Comics? Yeah, it's. I have a whole wall of them. Well, Image Comics is the third big publishing, uh, big comic book publisher to split from Diamond. <laughs> um, Image Comics has signed an exclusive deal with Simon and Schuster, uh, which will. Um, which will distribute their graphic novels and comic books to the direct market, namely comic book stores, as well as the places like Barnes and Noble and bookstores and places like that. Um, sure. They've never handled single issues, but I assume because they have a robust magazine department, they'll probably just use that. Um, just ship them to, the, but this is now the third, this is the, the, the third biggest publisher. Um, all three of the biggest publishers in comics are not signed with diamond anymore. Um, Image, Warner Bros. Uh, Image, DC, and Marvel are all from are all going to different mm-hmm. uh, publishers. I believe DC is with Lunar, Marvel is with Penguin Random House, and now Image is with Simon and Schuster. And then Diamond has Boom and Dark Horse and IDW still for now. Um, for now, let me tell well, you, I, Boom, Boom's probably getting ready to leave. Boom would probably be next. IDW and Dark Horse are probably sticking around for a while. Yeah, that's. It's really funny just how quickly, like you, like again, a couple of years ago, like Diamond was the monopoly, and now the top three biggest comic book publishers do not it's, supply for them anymore. It's almost yeah. like Diamond was consistently shitting the bed with how they handled the comics for these companies, yeah. and then the pandemic happened, and then they did it worse. Oh yeah, it's almost like the consequences of their actions. Consequences. Yeah, Diamond is basically a monopoly when it comes to the comic book industry, so breaking it up is not a bad idea at all. Um, no. Down with and, Diamond. Uh, I know a lot of comic book shop owners who feel that way. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just an this is just a third, uh, a third, a fourth distribution uh, chain to 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 go from. And now, 
it's not necessarily competition in the market because it's not like DC is signed with both as signed with two or, or three. Um, but it is, uh, it is the first step into breaking up that diamond monopoly. That's really good. Yeah. I love it. Good for speaking image. Of, good for everyone. Yeah. Speaking of Simon and Schuster. Oh, so real quickly on the image on the last, last month's previews, I went through it. Um, and it's a previous catalog, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is the catalog that you get at a comic book store and tells you what comics are coming up in the next two months. Right. Um, uh, and I was flipping through it. And I flipped through it like I do all the time. And there was a single page for Image Comics that said, check out the solicits online. And then there was just a list of what's coming. And it just had like Transformers 1. And um, it was just a list. There was a, no, no pictures, no solicitations, just a list. <laughs> and I thought that was so weird. And then this news dropped. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot they more were, sense it was, now. It was in the works, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they weren't even paying for, for, for any pages in, Diamond, in the Diamond catalog anymore. Um, you know how... I don't know if you guys have seen, guys have seen the previous catalog, but the previous catalog used to like has all these like really nice pages for like the big publishers. Um, Dark Horse and IDW no longer pay for the nice pages. They're in the back <laughs> of the book. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, Simon and Schuster, by the way, has been acquired by the KKR group. Um, they were originally owned by Paramount Global. Um, this will move, this will do something to their Star Trek line, which is something people are a little concerned about. I want to be clear. You gave two K's in that, not three. KKR. I was thinking that group? too. It is KKR, not three. Noted. They got, All right. They're they, okay. They, they got real close. <laughs> Uh, KKR, which I just now realized I forgot to look up what it means, what it stands for. Go for Brian's it. On. Uh, they have they have bought it from Paramount Global for one point sixty two billion dollars. Paramount decided to sell it because they what was the quote I have here? Quote: It's not core to their company anymore. So I guess book publishing is not in, they're just not interested in book publishing anymore. Paramount. I mean that's fair. Yeah. Um. So KKR. I forgot the term for it. I I should have written it down, but I forgot the term for it. But KKR has basically bought um, Simon & Schuster in order to... So normally what a company like KKR would do, it would would buy the company to resell it at a higher value. They would kind of like buy it, fix it, resell it for higher value. Um, Simon & Schuster is not a company that is hurting. In fact, this past year, they they had record profits. Oh, it's backwards. It's Colbert, (laughs) Kravis, Roberts. Oh, just it's just like a lawyer thing. It's just their names. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, oh, the Krusty right. Krab real estate agency. There you go. That's it. Um, and so like what they would do is normally they would buy these the struggling company and then sell it for a higher value. That's their only purpose is to sell is to sell a company for a higher value. Now Paramount Global has sold it, but they have sold a company that was doing well. So everyone's kind of questioning like, okay, well, what's what are you going to do with it? Because they even said like we're not going to fire anyone. And we're they're just but they're gonna sell it in the future for for more money. And this was weird. This was weird, especially with the with the image thing came out pairing these two up. It was just weird. Sure. Um. But whatever. What, what billionaires and co- corporations want to do with their money? What do What do we care? Um. Only unless only you're not paying bottom... people. Yeah. Right. Unless you're not paying people. Um. Quick comic book. Quick video game news. That's all the comic book news. Um, but there's quick video game news in the sense that um, Destiny 
the video game as we know Lance Reddick passed away. He played a very beloved character in that game. Zavala. Uh, what's the name? Zavala. Zavala. Um, because it's a live service game, they were going they, they recast the character with uh, Keith David. Keith David, uh, legendary actor, uh, in more video games than you could ever imagine. That dude is always working, nonstop working. Yeah, great voice actor. I, I love the Keith David. Yeah, he like in... if you if you have to step in the shoes of Lance Reddick, Keith David's an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Lance Reddick finished recording his lines for the Chroma Conclave and Vox Machina. Mm, I don't know. I'm curious about that. All right, but. Let's get into some trailers. Oh, interesting. Actually, I should have done this in reverse because there's more video game trailers. Let's do the anime trailer first. Well, you need to start with that one then. Let's do the anime trailer first. Okay. Kaiju number eight. I love vibe trailers. Hey, we all read that. Yep. The first volume. I'm still caught up on it. Mm -hmm. It's banger. It's banger uh, manga. How do you guys feel about this trailer? I think it looks again. This this is like a vibesy one, uh, but like I read that first volume and like, man, it looks it looks really nice. It looks like like a high production ass anime. I really like the animation. I think it's really strong. Um, I especially like the brief glimpse we get into his monstrous form as Kaiju oh. Number Eight. I think that looks great. I think it looks a little bit more gruesome than the manga did, and mm-hmm. I feel like. It's chasing the Chainsaw Man anime. Oh, sure. For that vibe. And I wish it wouldn't um, because Chainsaw Man can be its own thing that it looks like that. Kaiju number eight doesn't need to look like that. Um, so I'm curious how it's going to feel because it, it just feels a little more, just a little bit more gross violent than sure. uh, I feel like it came across in the manga. I think it's a little lighter, honestly, in tone than what they they seem to be selling in this trailer. I this is not me pushing back on you at all. I swear. Like I I just my memory on it is is, is vague enough where I don't remember how ultraviolet or not it was. But like I I could see where that where, where you're making that point of like they want another Chainsaw Man like thing. So let's put a little more violence in here. Uh, so like I I didn't have a problem with it, but I also like didn't think about like the source material. So like they could be they could be doing that. Yeah. Um, for comparison, like there's humor in Chainsaw Man. That humor is very much like, uh, it, it's very like character appropriate and and like well timed jokes and cheeky and sarcastic and witty. And Kaiju Number Eight is very like our guy who is Kaiju Number Eight is a little bit of a goofy. Yeah. Uh, and that keeps a lot of the tone a little I just, lighter. Not that... I just turned to this page where he's chasing after his friend after turning into a monster. Right, right, right. Like it's yeah. got that vibe, you know, yeah, like yeah. the very like, wait, come back, you can try. To... And like, I'm not getting that from this, and and it does feel like to me, this trailer feels like it's trying to chase Chainsaw Man. And I, for anyone not familiar, I think with the manga, like that is not what the manga yeah, has yeah, been. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that the anime still has that light tone, knows how to play it. Word, I got you. Yeah, I I think this trailer looks really interesting. Um, I really like the look of it. It's it's from production IG. Which did uh, I believe the show is called Furikuri. Yes. Um, uh, and Ghost of the Shell. Um, so they're doing another anime. I think I think this looks really cool. Um, I think Sparks is right about the about the about what he said. Uh, but we read the we read the book club for um, 
for we read the book for a book club and i i really really like that book and i, I want to read more of it i just haven't gotten around to it um highly encouraged i think it's a good time it's it's been solid yeah, what's, all the way up to what's the at. app do you use because i used to use your old app and you don't use that app anymore so it's manga plus. manga manga plus, okay, manga plus. Manga i'll probably download plus. that anyway looks is hiding for for anyone, this is because this is true for all listeners. Manga Plus is an app where you can read manga as it is, uh, you know, it's translated over for you from Japan. Like comes out the same day and everything, so the translations can be a little rough sometimes. But like you're you're get they're pretty good. They're pretty good translators for it. Um, the the whole thing of it is you get to read a chap each chapter of a manga once for free. So so you can read it, and then if you want to go back, then you gotta pay. I like it. I like that model. It's a good model. Let's talk about Dead by Daylight because they dropped the Xenomorph trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah they did. did. Not only did they drop the Xenomorph trailer, but because I'm Mr. Video Games, it's already in the, um, what do they call it? They call, It's like the 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 behind-the-scenes test arena where people could play stuff early uh, to test stuff out. Beta, thank you, beta, yes. Uh, they have basically like a live beta uh, server where you could test stuff early. A lot of games do this. Uh, but I've seen a couple of matches of how the alien works. You you go underground and there's tunnels and like you and all the gen, and all the things light up and you can see all the people and their footsteps uh, leave little traces. So it's basically like the demigorgon if you ever play the demigorgon. But you're just doing everything on the ground. Uh, looks very cool. Uh, Ripley is part of it too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I definitely saw four Ripleys get get murdered. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> them uh, them really walking the line of like, well, we definitely didn't get Sigourney Weaver to sign off for this, so we're making it look kind of ripley-esque the yes. idea of ripley absolutely yeah <laughs> definitely definitely this isn't a nick cage situation after here um but the map is really cool it's like a mix of outdoor and indoor there's like a there's like a spaceship that's crash land onto it uh it looks like a really cool update um dead by daylight they've always gone hard on crossover stuff but like specifically like this the next phase from all the rumors like it's the hardest they've ever gone like with the nick cage stuff with the alien stuff uh we're gonna get a lot more people like apparently jason might be coming now that the right stuff has gotten fixed with other people so like that game is continuing to be incredible with all of its horror icons i'm mostly excited for the new map i thought the map that we get a glimpse of in this trailer uh looked really really interesting really unique uh to Mm -hmm. dead by daylight um and obviously the xenomorph seems like a really fun monster to play with uh he's the first he's the first alien or the first killer to to be on all fours so in his normal mode he's walking and then you hit the power button and you you get faster and you get a run ability so you actually have like him running at you you know what that means yeah we are we are just a little ways away from an american werewolf oh my god yes absolutely um all right then we got another te- we got a bit of a teaser for the for the game TMN uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin, based off the comic of the same name. The most teaseries of te- teasers. Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting teaser though. I, I I quite liked the mood that that yeah. it did with the um with the four candles going out with the different uh, ways they died. I thought that was really cool. Three, the three candles because yeah. the three One candles right left. You guys and, know who it is. You see the deaths. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, d- I don't. I haven't, I haven't. No, I'm not going to spoil it, but like it is, it's it's probably who you think it is. But uh, uh, I haven't read it yet. I will. Um, I'll be honest, y'all. I'm I'm excited for the for the idea of this game. Um, the company making it, and this is not disrespect to the company. This is the people making this are the people who remade the Destroy All Humans game, so those alien games. 
So this is this they they said they are going to make a God of War 2018 inspired game, uh, but it's that studio. So like, I have faith that it'll be a fun game. I do. They're saying they're making a God of War type game, and I I just don't see people who remade those types of games making a game of that caliber. So like, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm kind of thinking something smaller scale like that Hellboy uh, web of weird game, something more that scale as opposed to we're making a God of War Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Uh, Because I just, I don't see them, they don't have that budget. They don't have unlimited five years to make that type of game. So, like, I hope everyone puts their expectations a little uh, lower with how much they are hyping themselves up with this game. So, like, I'm excited for it, but, like, I'm not expecting, like, a 10 out of 10. Sure. If I'm I'm being honest, but it's it's too early. I'm excited to see the next look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1, the Banished trailer. You guys go before I wax poetic. This looks really cool. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm very uh, like behind the scenes. Like uh, at the time of recording, we are we are real close uh, to finally hitting in on Mortal Kombat 11, so we can get that out uh, and get ready for this one. And I'm so stoked because this looks just incredible. Like what what a um, what a wonderful thing for them to feel like they can they can just take uh, risks isn't the right word, but take so much um, liberties with changing what mortal Kombat can be um and just like uh, uh, the first off the visuals obviously like we've talked about this before but like really truly seeing a ps5 mortal Kombat is exceptional oh yeah um but the the liberties that they keep giving i'm glad they've been dosing out these trailers like there's so much story here y'all there's so much that we're doing. week yeah there's so much story that we're doing here uh, you, you're really going to have a great time. Like we've really thought about a lot of different angles and a lot of different characters for how they work into this series. And it's, it's thrilling. It, it really feels like, uh, I don't want to say like Mortal Kombat's back because that's not it, but it feels like Mortal Kombat has like new juice in it. The, 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 mm. uh, before, uh, uh, before I get into my opinions, I just want to bounce off that. The community is the most hype I've ever seen. Like not when nine got rebooted, it was a really, really hype. And then 10 came out, 10 was really good. But it wasn't like the greatest thing ever. Eleven is really damn good. Uh, and then this one, the uh, because they got played at Evo, people have played a lot of it. They've now seen a lot of the story. Like this, this feels like this is like oh my god! Like they're making like their masterpiece, uh, uh, and they're rebooting it so they can do everything from 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 the get go. Basically, Mr. Brandon, how do you feel about seeing Size Off and Ashura? Ashura. Well, I really like now, mind you, my my. Uh, knowledge of Mortal Kombat is very limited. Um, yeah. But Reptile, what they're doing with Reptile is super interesting to me. They made him hot. They made him hot, which is already <laughs> a interesting decision. But I love the the I, I love the idea that he's like banished from his tribe because he can turn into a human. Like he can disguise himself as a human. His, but in his tr- he can only go between that and his true form and invisibility. And I really like his lizard form too. Um, there's a shot that floored me in this trailer and it's his fatality at the end of the trailer when he turns invisible and, and bites the girl in the head and you can see it through, you can see it through his skin. Yeah. Oh man. So good. The, the, um, again, like it just looks so incredible on the PS5, but like these, uh, particle transfers between his reptilian form and his human form, uh, mid fight. It's instant. Yeah. Oh, it looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, and one of my favorite characters, uh, and Ed Boon, creator of Mortal Kombat, he tweeted this in all caps, the 3D era fighters return! Because Ashura 
and Havoc, who's the third character reveal in this game. Uh, they are from the bad era of Mortal Kombat when they were transitioning to 3D on the N64 and the PS1 era, right? So those games aren't the best, but those characters are really cool, but they're kind of forgotten because they were in the bad games, right? Havoc is one of my favorite characters. That dude is from the Chaos Realm. He's literally all about chaos. He's a dude where he punches you, his body turns in a circle, but his head stays in place. His, like, he can take his body parts. He's like Arm Fall Off Boy from Suicide Squad. Oh, he that's the guy who's arm. been, like, who's, like, yeah, ripping his arm up and then slapping people? Absolutely. His one of his uh, uh, X-ray moves is he punches you so much that his his hands break apart and it's just his bones left. And then he stabs you in the head with his bones. Um, it is just like ridiculous. And again, Havoc's not a character you ever need to see again. But they're like, no, let's bring Havoc back. Let's bring that weirdo back. Uh, Ashra is like a really weird demon lady. Again, like these characters, like nobody cares about, but they're like, let's make people care about these characters. Uh, like in actual like storytelling reasons. Um, and y'all, the biggest thing that they have not actually announced, and I won't totally spoil it for you, but this campaign is unlike any of the campaigns we've ever played before. There are so much more adventure aspects to it than any of us even realize. And I'm so excited because like we've all played, we've played the last games, right? We know how those go. That's not the type of game we're gonna play for one. It's a, it is like an adventure game almost. Um, I'm so excited for this game. Uh, the gameplay looks sick. Visually, it looks sick. Uh, all the all the the, the combat. Uh, uh, what's it called the cameo characters look incredible. I'm just um, I'm so excited, and we're almost here. We're almost all here together. I love it. Someone posted a video. This wasn't in the trailer, but someone posted a video of one of the robots fatalities from the old games coming back and doing like the big chompers and crushing you in them. I would totally. Cool. I can definitely see that coming back. Like you know, this game loves to loves to be silly. The last one, I think it's eleven. Uh, but Liu Kang has a, has one where like. Uh, he literally brings an arcade cabinet from the heavens to drop and splat you down. So That's like cool. they'll they'll be as silly as they want. Um, looks so good. I'm so excited. And again, like Homelander, Peacemaker, all these dummies. Like I'm. It's gonna be so fun. I can't wait to play it. All right, that's the show. Um, oh, real surprised? quick. Yeah. Every trailer, every one of these Mortal Kombat trailers has had the dopest music that's not actually in the game, but they're really awesome dope electronic music. They're always like they go with the punches and the beat. And every time the trailer ends, it's like a big punch. It's in your blood. And I'm like, ah, it's in my blood. Uh, all right. That's the show. That's the show. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. We'll be back probably another two weeks. Um, might be back next week if something crazy happens, but most likely in another two weeks. So we we, we uh, can hope for the best, but like I'm I'm not believing. Considering yeah. our recording schedule, we have planned in this next week, probably not. So oh, that's, that's actually very true. <laughs> um, um, but expect some exciting stuff on the horizon. We're 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 working hard behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I'll 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 say this: if the writer strike ends, we'll probably do something. Yeah, uh, but we'll, but barring that, probably not. Um, yeah. Let's see you guys. So we'll see you guys in another two weeks. Uh, once again, that'll be that'll, that's just the schedule until the strikes are over. Um, due to basically what we can and can't talk about, it's just a way to kind of ease us, uh, make this a little easier on us. Um, but once the strikes are over, back to weekly. Uh, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, call the, uh, bombard the AMPTP at their mall office. Tell them to make a deal. Make a fair Listen, deal. Go to the Sherman Oaks yeah. Galleria Listen. and say, I demand my FNP. Get some fried chicken, <laughs> orange chicken from, from P.F. Chang's. Go over to the AMPT office. Throw it at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but guys, uh, just because this show will be off doesn't mean that there aren't other shows. Many of our shows are impacted because of the strike. We're withholding many of our shows, such as Victor's Watch. 
um, others. Um, so, so you can check out um, the, those those shows. What's impacted on the website on our website, fictionpodcast.com. You can check out the links for all of our shows and what is impacted by the strike. Uh, Grayson hey, in the comments. Mo- if it's a movie, it's not happening. Or a TV show. A TV show it's not happening. Um, Grayson in the comments. Uh, thanks so much for the show whenever you guys want to do it. I appreciate the hang time. Take care of yourselves in the coming days. Good luck on any projects. Thank you, sir. You um, always appreciate the support. Um, but there are shows that aren't impacted for the strikes, such as Conversation. Conversation is my is my solo show where I talk to other podcasters about fandom. Please check out the latest episode, Travis Bow from the Real Comic Heroes podcast that is linked below. Um, Basement Arcade, guys, check out some Basement Arcade episodes for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. There's a the the two episodes out now, and this coming week, look for finally the end of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> X. Wow. That 10 will finally have its last episode. That game came out a decade ago. Yeah. I love that, it. That's really funny. Uh, but that's exciting, though. Uh, of course, you know, there's other, we've got other basement arcades that are banked. So stay tuned for some pretty exciting games. Um, game bank. And uh, of course, you can check out Fickner Book Club, which is coming back in a, in a big way. Uh, Fickner Book Club, the latest episode, Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates, Volume 1. Uh, the Republic is Burning. It's our first episode of the new bi-weekly schedule. Um, we'll be coming back with another episode soon. We're coming back to Wasted Space. I'm coming back to do Star Trek stuff. There's going to be a lot of Fickner Book Club out there for you guys. Woo-woo! Not only that, soon we'll start releasing uh, the archive episodes, the good ones, uh, from all our previous years as their own individual a book club? as well. Mm-hmm. A hot dog. Pulled out of the main show. Uh, that. That'll start next month. I love that. All right, very excited. Uh, check that out. Guys, Animation Station is impacted by the strike, but there are but there are ways around that, such as talking about uh, foreign projects. So Ben and I started talking about Digimon Adventure Try, which will uh, be at Animation Stations that you guys can check out uh, soon. Yeah, excited for that. Um, but that's it. That's kind of everything. So make sure to make sure to check our website pretty frequently, FicknerPodcast.com, linked below. Uh, as well as everything I've mentioned before, including our Patreon and our T Public, if you'd like to support us financially, um, you can check. You can you can do that. Those are linked on our website and below victorpodcast.com. Once again, all right, guys. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show, and thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci. Jeremy Vellucci did the, as the the host of the Real Score, and of course did all of our music you heard here tonight, as well as all of our music for all of the shows that we do on this network. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci underscore wreck of time. You can find this podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on Suburban Proctologist Official on Facebook or Subproc Podcast on Instagram. And, or of course, on iTunes. Just subscribe to it on iTunes. Thank you to Mike Patola. Yeah. Mike Patola, wonderful human being as he is, uh, even if you like the show. That <laughs> um, you can find him at Mike Patola on Instagram and TikTok. Of course, you can. Uh, he, he he's collaborated with us on many things to design some of our logos. So check him out. Wonderful man. We love Mike. Yeah. You can find us also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, Guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamaMedia.com, where you can check out my latest article linked below. Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me getting over here. At Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Hey, Ryan. Oh my gosh, you can find me uh, feeling toasty at um, 
DJ Tony Snark only because I was able to get DJ Tony Snark back on all of my socials. Oh. So on uh, Instagram, but don't follow me there because it's not personal. Uh, but on Twitter, I'm not going to call it X. And now on Blue Sky, where there's seven whole people on there. So I can't wait for more people to eventually be able to join the website. Um, of course, you can also find Ben on Twitter, Instagram at BenMagnet27, um, as well as playing Mary Frankenstein on The In Dark uh, out every Wednesdays. All right, guys. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah, subscribe to us on... Sorry, I just changed this. Subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Um, subscribe to us. Uh, like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time, you see us, guys. Grayson said that Larry Talbot in DVD would be very exciting. I agree. That's the implication from what he said. Mm-hmm. I give you... What if we get Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man? Ooh. <laughs> 20-something years later. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, why not the Invisible Man just in general? No, Kevin no, no. Bacon. Kevin Bacon's <laughs> Hollow Man, because that that's that's sinister oh, and scary. Okay, but like think about like the Invisible Man. Uh, you guys can leave now. Uh, the audience can leave now. What about the Invisible Man? But it's the one from the from the Blumhouse movie, and so you can like hear the clicking of the cameras. Oh, you, you, they need both. Oh, you need you need modern and old. Yeah, that's yeah. Not- Subscribe to us on the podcast or choice. Rate and review wherever you get us. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time we see us, guys. Stay fake nerds. Bye.